Ever since I got bit by that spider, I've only had one week where my life has felt normal. That was when you found out. When you botched that spell where you wanted everyone to forget the Peter Parker Spider-Man. We started getting some visitors. From every universe. Hello, Peter. You're not Peter Parker. I'm sorry, what was your name again? Dr. Otto Octavius. <laughs> Wait, no, seriously, what's your actual name? There are others out there. We need to send them back. So, Scooby-Doo this crap. You know, all this is kind of your mess. I know a couple of magic words myself, starting with the word please. Please, Scooby-Doo this crap. You're flying out into the darkness to fight ghosts. What do you mean? They all die fighting Spider-Man. It's their fate. I'm sorry, kid. Yeah, me too. Don't. Look, there has to be another way. There isn't. They're a danger to our universe. You're not gonna take this away from me. Peter. You're struggling. Everything you want while the world tries to make you choose. This is all my fault. I can't save everyone. They're starting to come through, and I can't stop them. Hello, everyone, and welcome to an all-new episode of Palace Off the Top Rope. Thank you so much for joining me, ladies and gentlemen, and... Just warning, spoilers ahead, this is a whole episode dedicated to Spider-Man No Way Home. It's going to be a huge discussion, and I brought on a favorite guest of mine, Brandon McLaughlin is back in the house. What's up, buddy? Not much. How are you today? How was your Christmas? My Christmas was, uh, it's, this is probably the most I've ever worked that I can ever remember, uh, and that's that we're in a pandemic still, so it's been crazy, but it's been a lot of fun it's been great to see everybody at the theaters like it just feels like the days of old and i know we're still trying to take precautions and all that stuff but it's been a lot of fun how was yours wasn't too bad uh for i'm gonna say the first uh christmas off again mm-hmm. uh something that i've been thankful to have for the awesome. past few years uh with, with different places that i've worked but um you know for everybody out there that worked the the, the that works in the theater industries still such as yourself um 
you know, hopefully you guys in between all the, the craziness. I know that Christmas Day is probably one of the busiest days because it's literally the only thing that's open. Mm. And then the day after Christmas is equally as bad, if not worse. So, um, you know, I'm hoping that especially uh, for you and, and a lot of our mutual close friends that you guys were able to, to step aside and, and take a breather from all the madness and spend time with your families and, and, and your daughters. And um, hopefully you were at least to enjoy some smidge of the holidays, even if that was just being in the building and, and stepping away and watching, I'm sure that you guys were probably playing sports and, and some of the football games during oh, yeah, Christmas. Yeah, sure. So if, even if, even if so much as that, as little as that, hopefully y'all were able to, to take advantage of that. Yeah. Any cool <clears throat> gifts you got or anything you'd like to share on Christmas wise? Um, well, I mean, it's, uh, this is how you know you get excited when you get older for Christmas, uh, because it used to be as kids, you used to get, super excited over the newest like video game console or right. like the, the hottest toy at the time or, or whatever. Um, I got an air fryer, which oh, is neat. pretty freaking sweet. So I'm super excited about that. Um, other than that, just uh, some casual stuff, some clothes, uh, money. Can't really complain. How about you? Same here. Uh, I mean, more importantly, I'm glad my daughters got everything that they wanted. So I'm happy for that. Me so much, it's not really like a thing anymore. We're like, ah, I don't need gifts. It doesn't, right. you know, I, I just enjoy the health of my friends and family and you know I, i'm doing okay i got a roof over my head so i can't complain uh but you know we did we did a secret santa at work and uh uh the person that got me uh, i've been starting my batman funko collection okay. and he got me a nice michael keaton 1989 funko pop so oh, that's cool i'm very excited about that uh, thankful for what you got me you got me i'm also collecting starting my collection of AEW wrestling figures uh, so I started with Britt Baker. Uh, I bought Orange Cassidy. Uh, I think I bought him at a flea market because <laughs> there was a whole section of th- th- these guys that sold all these figures, and it's in neat condition. And now I'm adding this a- MJF, who's like been one of the bright spots of this company this year, especially now with who he's feuding and something that we've been waiting for. And we can actually start with that, actually. Um, last time you were on this show... We were discussing uh, all, all Out in that huge pay-per-view that was going to emanate from Chicago and all these rumblings of everybody that was supposedly going to debut or rumored to debut. We knew CM Punk was already back and had caused this huge like mainstream noise with the return of him after being gone for seven years. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to ask you, like, since All Out has come and gone, have you been pretty satisfied with what you've seen from Punk and Danielson and Cole and now... O'Reilly's in the mix. Fish, Undisputed Errors in AEW when just like, what, at the beginning of the year, I think they were still in NXT as a, as a unit or about to break up. So what have been your thoughts on all that? Uh, satisfied, I think, would be an, an understatement as, as big of fans as, as you and I both are. Um, but, I mean, it's it's really ever since All Out, it's, it's been a very big turning point and, and a huge shift in, in the landscape of, of wrestling. Um I, I venture to say too that even with all of the changes and the additions that AEW is making and everything that they're doing with the storytelling, all the promos, um, <clears throat> plans for the future and, and, and setups that they're trying to make, uh, even on the other side of that coin, if, if you look at, you know, what WWE is doing, even though a lot of it is, is very like reactive, mm-hmm. um, because they can no longer deny how, how much noise and how much impact that AEW is making anymore, um, I, I venture to say then this, this may be a hot take, maybe not, but I think that they're starting to, to clean themselves up a little bit too. I mean, they're definitely night and day between creative, you know, a hot, and yeah, a handful of months ago with, mm-hmm. with who they're giving the push to and, 
and uh, different different approaches that they're taking with with who's chasing the title and, and who's getting opportunities mm-hmm. now. Um, the biggest surprise for me out of all of this was uh, Kevin Owens' decision to resign. Right, right. Um, I think everybody, I'm probably not the only one, thought for sure that he was going to be the next one to, to abandon ship. But then mm-hmm. they, they, what was it, like a week or two ago? Yeah, uh, not they that re- far. They revealed that he was going to do, and, and in his words, it was, oh, I got to do what's best for my family, which is understandable because mm-hmm. he's probably going to get, I, I imagine they probably gave him, offered him a decent paycheck to, oh, to stay sure. with the company. So that that one was a shocker to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I was shocked by that too. Uh, just given the fact of Kevin Owens... His mic skills are just incredible. His ring, his ring performance is also awesome. You figure, like, with the way his style is and his promo skills, it kind of doesn't fit what WWE's doing anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I felt it would have fit perfectly with AEW, not just because of the history he has with, you know, the Young Bucks or whoever, but I just feel like his style would, like, he would feel more himself being in AEW. But you also got to think about the fact that this guy's got a, a nice family, a lot of kids. I don't know if a lot of kids, but he's got kids and all that stuff. Yeah. And before any, I mean, you know, I know you don't have kids yet, but one day, you know, the day comes when you have your family. Uh, that stuff has to come first as far as like, you know, yes, your happiness matters and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, like, you got to make sure you take care of them first. And like you said, I'm pretty sure WWE gave him a very hefty, like, you know, kind of like, I don't want to say a blank check, but like, hey, what's it going to take to keep you here and not right. have you go to the competition? Uh, but, you know, good for him, you know. I mean, he's earned the right to make that decision. But, you know, on on the flip side of that, if we see his creative down the line is very, like, whatever, he chose that path because he could have had the same opportunity as Adam Cole to just let his contract run out and then he just does whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you feeling about, you know, someone like a Johnny Gargano? Because uh, we saw, obviously, Kyle O'Reilly jump ship. Uh, do you see him re-signing uh, or just testing the free agent market and might end up somewhere else, maybe back on the indies, not necessarily AEW, but he could be in GCW or, you know, whatever. I could, I could potentially, if he doesn't go to AEW, if he just decides to, to test the waters with the, uh, with the independence, I could see him in impact. I mm-hmm. think that, I think he'd be, uh, get a really good run there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, as of right now, it's, I don't see him making, I mean, he'll make an impact on the main roster. That's not what I'm trying to say, but I feel like he's going to be a lot, a lot of the same of, you know, with, with these smaller guys like mm-hmm. a Finn Balor, or he's. I imagine he'll probably get lost in the shuffle. I mean, right. again, going back to the original statement of with with WWE being reactive for the majority of of what they're doing with their storylines to what AEW is doing, maybe they'll kind of turn the tide a little bit, and they might, you know, give him give him a good push, or, or at least give him a run for the title. But at the same time, I also don't see him being a viable opponent. This could just be me. I don't see him being a viable viable opponent to somebody like a Roman. Oh, for sure. Maybe yeah. maybe Big E, but I don't I don't think WWE is going to let Johnny Gargano go over not not this Roman Reigns oh, not no, no. not anytime soon. So I could see him like he'd be on SmackDown or something, but he'd just be like a guy fighting like Baron Corbin like every other week and losing, mm-hmm. maybe getting a win here and there. But again, there like. It feels like nothing ever matters or, like, they could get pinned or whatever. And, you know, the next week they'll get a title shot for some reason. The IC title, that's on uh, that's on SmackDown, right? Or is it, it is still okay. on SmackDown. And it's still on the same person. I think it's on Shinsuke Nakamura, who's, like... He's had it for a while. Until, I don't even remember. The, um, but then again, I'm, I've been very 
not as consistent. Like AEW, like every week, I'm waiting to see what happens, and I, mm-hmm. for the most part, watch almost the entire show. Right. SmackDown, I forward a lot of stuff. Raw, I forward a lot of stuff. Um, the the thing I'm most like invested in or try to keep in touch with is whatever Becky Lynch is doing, or you know, on SmackDown, it's whatever Sasha Banks is doing, and. You know, I was following the Tony Storm Charlotte thing a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I mean, there's just no desire. Like on my DVR, like what Raw was last night or whatever, and it's just there's just no desire to see it. Like I'll go through it eventually yeah. to catch up. Same thing with SmackDown. Um, no, but AEW, that for sure. Like, yeah, I'll let it run up on my DVR, but I'll watch it immediately after it's over, From start so. to finish. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I've actually gotten into, uh, I've gotten more involved in, uh, in this will probably come up, uh, another, in, later on as another talking point, but on YouTube, mm-hmm. um, I, I get myself more involved with watching like the darks and the dark elevations. Oh, yeah, yeah. So in addition to, to keeping up on, you know, whatever they announce throughout the week on social medias, like they, they'll talk about the storylines and everything that's going on throughout the week on, on dark and on dark elevation. So, mm-hmm. Those are those are actually really good to get into. There's nothing a whole lot of like storyline wise. Like nobody's coming out and cutting promos. Mm-hmm. It's strictly just back to back wrestling matches. But it's still like the commentators in between will talk about like, oh, we're gonna Here's be live. Happened. Yeah, we're gonna be live in this city, and, and this person like or, or MJF and CM Punk are gonna stand off, and we're gonna see what these two gentlemen have to say after yeah. the aftermath of, you know, blah blah blah. Um, it, as unfortunate as it is to say for Raw and SmackDown, yeah, I mean you can kind of just get away with just watching uh you know recaps on on instagram or on twitter um thankfully i've i've gotten back to a job where i have my tvs back so they have uh they have the usa network and they have um tnt uh so i'm able to watch uh on wednesdays i'm able to watch uh aw again uh tuesdays will be nxt and then uh fridays i'll watch smackdown or i'll catch a little bit of smackdown and I won't get to hear the audio, but I'll just see like the clips because you right, know when right, they're right. setting up for the next match, they mm-hmm. pre- they flash back to the week before. So I'm I'm able to kind of keep up to to pace with with watching that, and then immediately after is going to be Rampage. So that's always, that's always a fun night. Here's a random thing: uh, <laughs> Do you have TBS? Because AEW Dynamite's about to move to TBS in January. I so believe we you actually better check do. if yeah. you have that channel because it's about to move. Um, and kind of like the ratings talk has kind of stopped a little bit just because. They're actually right now since they're on TNT, they're airing live like all across the board, mm-hmm. so it's not delayed on the West Coast. So the numbers have kind of been low, but once it goes to TBS, it'll go back to the way it was. So hopefully, we'll see an in- increase there. I did my top ten matches last week, my favorite of the year, uh, and I'm so mad because this past Wednesday on Dynamite was like a huge fun six man tag between Sting, who's freaking almost seventy, mm-hmm. CM Punk, and Darby Allen against uh, MJF and FTR, and it was just one of those fun main events where, like, yeah, it matters who wins, but also, like, it was just fun wrestling. Like, just, you know, it was just pure enjoyment. I don't know I don't know if you caught up or watched that match yet. It was just, that was a lot of fun, man, as a wrestling fan. And that's what I, that's what I miss. It, it reminded me of the good old days of wrestling. As a, uh, as outside of the highlights, I haven't gotten around to watching the full match yet, but I'll definitely get back to it, especially with the homage that Punk paid to, the old sting, the, yeah. the pre crow sting. Um, definitely from what I saw was better than the, uh, that, that hollow, what was it? The Halloween havoc match or whatever that, that Halloween match that the elite had versus yeah, the oh dark order. God. I was so mad about that. I mean, I get it. They want to do that. They want to integrate that comedy stuff that they do on BTE. And, uh, it's a, it's a 
behind the scenes like uh, comedy show that these wrestlers from AEW do. And sometimes it correlates with what's going on in the main show, but for the most part, it's a lot of backstage stuff. But they brought that. Sometimes they'll bring that into the main show, and it just—I don't know. Just it's good as it is. Like when they're doing the stuff with MJF and CM Punk. Like my God, those promos have just been Oof. incredible. Like that—the first time that they faced off promo-wise, I think it went for almost half an hour, and it was just riveting. Like I didn't want it to end. They—they they did not pull any punches. Uh-huh. They were saying stuff that I was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't even know they could—they could talk about that, or they yeah. could say these names or, or these properties or, or what have you. So yeah. I was like, wow. They're going all. They're no pun intended. They're going all in on this. I mean, I, I believe this to my core. Like when pro wrestling's good, like there's absolutely nothing better in terms of drama, entertainment. I mean, you can take, you know, all the stuff that's going on right now with the Paul brothers and boxing, and even UFC. Like UFC has got some nice moments, but man, when wrestling's rolling, like the way AEW is, I mean, I just feel like that form of entertainment and combat because they're kind of mixing it. They're kind of making it more believable, like. I mean, we all know wrestling's scripted, but the, as far as, like, the combat and the fighting, it's more, like, very rough and raw. And I kind of like it that way, where in WWE, it kind of, it's very choreographed and very, like, you can tell every match is the same, and it's the same beats. In mm-hmm. AEW, like, they flip stuff where you don't know what they're going to do sometimes. And, like, someone like Brian Danielson will do different stuff in the matches where you don't know how it's going to end. In WWE, you would know the beats of what he was going to do to finish a match. Here, it's like... He can beat you by submission or pin you or MJF who, who could win with a headlock. Like just something simple like that. That's like what separates right now AEW from, from everybody else in wrestling. Um, let's see. Did you have a favorite match from this year? Since we're, I mean, we're coming close to the end of the year. Is there something that stands out? I know there's oh, been a lot of great stuff this year, but anything at the top of your head that just was like, man, that, that was awesome. Um, Hmm. I hate to spring this up on you, but just since we're on the topic and you know we're just nearing the end of the year, I thought I'd just pick your brain a little. You could even be a moment too, even if you want to say it's CM Punk returning. I'll take that too. I feel like that one would be too easy. I mean, I enjoyed that. That one, that one was a riveting moment. But if I had to say, um, you know, some something that actually like that I popped for, mm-hmm. um, probably. Probably Brit, all of Brit's matches. Brit's and when, been when really... she when she won the when she won the title was probably mm-hmm. one of the biggest moments. And then everything that she's done, uh, not just for her career, but just putting like making her mark on on the women's division in, mm-hmm. in pro wrestling as a whole, and just the stuff that she's doing, kind of. Uh, I, I don't, I don't want to use the term following in the footsteps of like of like a Trish Stratus and a, and a Lita, but they were you know as as everybody knows, as any wrestling will tell you. You know, two of the pioneers that that really kind of set the stage for mm. setting women apart from being just eye candy to you know they can actually perform and, and do what the what the men can do as well, if not better. So, you know, the, the hardcore matches that she's going through, all of her title defenses and, and everything that she's done just with her character since her debut in 2019 mm. is just she just continues to escalate, and she's I I feel I'm you know she's definitely earned. Uh, the right to, to consider herself to be one of the foundations or one of the, the pillars of, of yeah. that company. So I, I think um, even long after she's gone, uh, whenever that time may be, hopefully not for a long time from now, um, not until a long time from now, excuse me, uh, you know, she'll, she's definitely going to be talked about in, in the history books for sure. Even if I was like some of the guys, <laughs> like uh, like no offense to like Jungle Boy or like Sammy Guevara, but like to me, she's the whole package, like. Is she the best wrestler? No. 
But, like, she has that other intangible that makes you a freaking superstar is that you can talk. And in wrestling, like, if you can't talk, like, you're not going to go anywhere. I don't care who you are. Uh, I mean, I hate to bring up somebody, like, I mean, we really shouldn't talk about this person. But, you know, for someone as good wrestling-wise as Chris Benoit was, he could have been even bigger had he had, like, an actual character and mic work. Like, his mic work was never good. Mm. But you look at someone like a Kurt Angle who had the wrestling but also had a freaking character that you could, like, you know, root for in his, uh, you know, American days post 9-11 or, or whether he was being the Olympic, like, you know, arrogant guy. And you could easily boo him. Having a character is the most important thing. So for overall package, I think Britt Baker is everything. Even on top of someone like a Kenny Omega. Yeah. Kenny Omega's like, eh, I mean, he's a snarky heel, but, like, she figured out who she was and, like, or who she is, I should say. And it's just been brilliant work, like. She's always, like, even if she's barely on the show, like, anything that she does is, like, she makes the most of her time. If it's, like, a backstage segment with Tony yeah, Schiavone, just she'll, just, she'll make it work. Yeah, so that's been, that's, that's a good uh, moment to end on for 2021 in wrestling. Um, before we get to Spider-Man, folks, don't worry. This is going to be a full-on Spider-Man conversation on No Way Home. It's kind of been a little bit, bit of a trifecta year for Brandon. So he got his Spider-Man movie event, and we'll get into all that. Um you know, this great stuff in wrestling that we've been able to talk about all year long with just the rise of uh, this kind of like this new wave of, of wrestling being back to, I mean, not necessarily attitude every day, but it's back to like being like very exciting to talk about, like water cooler type stuff. And the third thing is, uh, and I want to pick his brain on this. I'm not here so much to like combat or troll. I just want to get a, a, an honest opinion from an unbiased fan, in my opinion. Um the Cowboys have been doing pretty good this season. Right now, they're standing the top, uh, top of the NFC East. They clinched the division. They're eleven and four. I believe they would they would be the number two seed, right? If the playoffs ended today, I believe so. Yes. So they would get a high ranking in the playoff spot. Um, what do you? What have been your thoughts on the overall season so far with the Cowboys? Like, have they? Is it a wait and see for you, or is it like? Is there some stuff that has surprised you, uh, or do you? Or I mean, is it just like, oh man, I just. Just get to the playoffs and just win one and move forward, and then I'll feel a little bit better. Any, um, anything on your mind? Well, well at first I, I got goosebumps when you were doing that that little bit of a promo with the whole trifecta thing. and then Because <laughs> I knew that this topic was coming up when we were talking off air, but you said that, and I got like – now I'm getting nervous because I'm like, don't, don't, don't put that evil on me because I <laughs> or, mean, or am I being slick? <laughs> I know, I, I see what you're trying to do. No, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm generally, I'm generally, generally curious as to your thoughts. Uh, you know, I have Abe who I talk with on the SM Football Marks, right? And although he claims to be unbiased, he does go, he'll, he'll flip flop really quickly. Um, we all know Jake Ramirez is full on Cowboys. Same thing with like the, the same Facebook people like Eli and all the, the Cowboys people that come after me. Right. But you got more of a, you know, hang on, let me, let me take a step back and really look at this, uh, with full context. So I, I'm really curious as to your thoughts of this whole season so far. Um, so I don't like to, you know, walk to the beat of my own drum. Uh, so I don't mean to come across as, I guess arrogant as it sounds. I don't want to be this guy, but I, I did, I did boldly claim, uh, way back earlier this year. This was probably sometime April or May. And if, and if you don't believe me out there, if you're listening, you can actually reference this episode because it's available, uh, on this podcast. I believe it's the, the one where we're talking about the, uh, the newest Mortal Kombat movie. 
this was also around the time we had this conversation. This was post draft. Drafting, drafting marvelous combat. I think is what the episode is called. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> what it was. I think because we yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense because we we talked a little bit about the the Marvel, uh, yeah. cinem- not the cinematic but what they're what they're doing with their spinoffs on Disney Plus mm-hmm. with all the TV shows. Um, but I, I did make the claim that there's no you know with, with Dak coming back and and with all of the faith that they have in him and the amount of money that they paid into him and. Yeah, all all things considered, his injury aside, like that's that's going to be you know on him to to make sure he's he's playing smart and that he's mm-hmm. keeping himself healthy and utilizing all of those resources to you know to be in the training room every day, you know, doing rehab and, and making sure that you know he's he's able to to perform at a at a hundred percent high high tier level. Um, but I, I did claim that they were going to be if if not number one, they were going to be at least number two they were going to be in the top two of the division and they sure enough a couple days ago that it was announced that or actually yesterday it was announced that they they claimed the division so i'll, I'll take that as a win uh, um excuse me this is a you know this is around the time where you would expect a, a lot of people you know to to be to be on the high horse to, to to be on a high and 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 to ride this you know to ride this wave so to speak but mm-hmm. This isn't the first time that Dallas has had, you know, an outstanding season, like a like a positive winning season. That's that's not, you know, that's that's well above five hundred. Right. Um, but but the playoffs are going to be a, a different story, and and you know, with with much respect to to Jake Ramirez and Buddy, if you're listening to this, uh, he he reached out to me the other day. Congratulations. He he. <laughs> went out of his way to tell me that, you know, he started his job at, at Amazon now and, and I wish him well and I hope he's having a good time and that they're they're treating him appropriately. Um with all due respect to him, like winning the division is cool, but that's that's not something that we have to prove to anybody anymore. Mm-hmm. That's that's that should be a given with the amount of talent that we have and that, that we've had. Yeah. Um it's it's gonna it's gonna matter most when you know after these next couple of weeks when the playoffs come around and, and the thing that makes me the most nervous is you know yeah we're we're on a pretty good roll right now and and we're putting up big numbers against teams like like New York and, and against our division rivals like Washington last night mm-hmm. but you know we 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 dropped the ball literally and figuratively against the Denver Broncos. Mm-hmm. And that was le- that was legit after a game where we went on the road against a Minnesota team and won with our backup quarterback. Right, right. No Dak, no chance. Well, we had Dak or we didn't have Dak and we stood a chance. When mm-hmm. we had Dak back at home in our own home turf, we got it, I'm going to call it what it is. We got blown out by by Denver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got a couple of garbage time touchdowns, but I mean really what does that do except for if you have, you know, fantasy players on on the Cowboys team that just that just does you justice but that doesn't really mean a whole lot we lost to teams like kansas city which fell into a bit of a slump uh Mm -hmm. you know early on between like the early mid part of the season we dropped the ball to the raiders um, the raiders yeah on thanksgiving at once again at home Mm -hmm. and then of course you know with with the with the beginning of the year we we lost to tampa bay yeah if you if you want to make the argument that it was barely a loss or they they lost by you know field goal or our kicker was trash or, or this and that. Like, well, first of all, our kick, first of all, our kicker was the unsung hero the following week because we were the ones that won by a field goal against, uh, the Chargers, I believe, which was week two. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he actually pulled through for us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, penalties, yeah, penalties are always going to be hit or miss in, in any game, no mm-hmm. matter who you're a fan of, whichever team you're watching. There's always going to be that one play that you're going to look back on and be like, man, if they had called that, this would be a different outcome. But from personal experience, 
my coach always taught us don't always get hung up on you know what could have been and don't always get hung up on one play or, or one penalty that they didn't call because if we were doing what we needed to be doing from the get-go and if we were playing solid consistent error-free football all four quarters from quarter one all the way to quarter four then stuff like that wouldn't have mattered if we had gotten the job done if, if everybody had you know been on their assignments and been doing what they needed to be do then mm-hmm. stuff like that wouldn't matter so with those losses heading into the playoffs and you know we're not going to play like those those mid-level teams like a like a las vegas or a denver we're going to play like the uh, the Los Angeles Rams. We're going to probably see the Bucks again. We may even see uh, the the Packers. Yeah. So as as good as this team has been playing, it, so, it scares me. At- yeah, but that's where I really want to get your thoughts. So the season's been fine or whatever, but like let's say the playoffs started today. Let's say you win the wild card round, right? Let's hypothetically say that. Let's say you got to go to Lambeau. Well, Tampa would have to go to you guys, but how would you feel like Tampa coming over to? to Jerry World or you going up to Lambeau to face Rodgers or what I think the, I think the Rams would have to come over to you guys with Stafford and, and that defense like how honestly how do you feel about your team right now do you think they could run the table or make it a go or do you think like it'd be like one of those like shitting the bed type things like I mean honest honest take I'll take you their answer I'm not gonna poke this this is um this really the, the 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 long and the short of it is, and this kind of tip, you know, this kind of also summarizes or wraps up my my thought there. But this has really been all season a, a tale of two Dallas Cowboys teams, mm-hmm. um, and, and even those who are you know who are sharing their thoughts on on Facebook and on the posts and in the comment sections and what have you. Um, I've, there's two versions of this team, and it really just depends on which one shows up to play. You know, when that time comes. Mm-hmm. Um, all of these teams, you talk about like a like a Tampa Bay who's just been plagued with injuries throughout the season. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom Brady has had his fair share of, of one-offs and, and how he's he's kind of just dropped the ball. Um, Aaron Rodgers and, and the Green Bay Packers they've they've struggled. Uh, they struggled against uh, the likes of what was it the Browns this past week. Yeah. They they almost lost that game and then Should've they almost lost, lost to to the Ravens. Mm-hmm. And not knocking the Ravens or the Browns, but I mean they're you know the, the way that those two teams have been performing this season. Like if, if they've if they've been cutting it that close, the point is they're beatable teams. Right. You know everybody's a beatable team. The the Rams are a beatable team. I'll give you that. There's not really a clear cut favorite like in years past. Like, and I'm not saying this because I'm a fan, but you know like a Patriots were like a clear favorite with Brady and and, the, and that crew where it's like oh like you don't want anywhere near Foxborough come January. Mm-hmm. I think this year. There is kind of a level playing field a little bit, but I'm just saying with the quarterbacks that you would have to go through if you want to make the Super Bowl, it's going to have to be through one of those three for sure. Because I don't, I don't know how the wild card is going to shape out, but I think as of right now, I think it's like Philadelphia, um, I think maybe New Orleans, uh, maybe Minnesota. I haven't, I'm been so caught up with work that I, I'm actually going to catch up on all my football stuff later, but. If I'm assuming those are the wild card teams right now, along with like a San Francisco, like I don't see those quarterbacks making it, so it's gonna have to be through a Rodgers, a Stafford, mm-hmm. a Brady, uh, maybe even the Cardinals, which y'all are still gonna play. I believe I think it's this, is it this Sunday already. I, mm, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. The second, okay. yep. Okay, that's, yep. so it's this upcoming week. So if you're able to beat them, and they've kind of been, you know, a little bit vulnerable as of late. For a while, I was like, oh, this might be the team to beat, and nobody's gonna want to play them, but. 
you know, they wet the bed against the Lions. They, I think they lost again this past week. I forgot who it was against. They, they lost. Um, so they're a little bit vulnerable right now. So if you can get that win also, that, that'll also help you with momentum going into the playoffs. But, um, to me, I've said this on the SM football marks throughout the, the season. I don't know if you agree with me. I feel like the Bucks and the Cowboys are kind of like a similar, they're similar teams where like they got this high powered offense. Um, they got playmakers on defense, but they're not like that elite defense that they should be. Like, especially for the Bucks, like, I think the, the thing that went wrong for them is that defense got arrogant about themselves. I think they called themselves like the grave diggers. And then all, watch all of these injuries started to happen. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's been a curse ever since then. Uh, and obviously we've lost, you know, Leonard Fournette. We've lost Godwin for the year. E- Evans is out right now, I think, with COVID. I think they just announced he's on the COVID list. Um, so Brady's kind of resorted back to like, he's got kind of got to do it with some guys that, you know, like new England where he didn't have those big stars. I mean, he's going to have Antonio Brown, but, um, I, I think them and Dallas have been kind of similar where if they get a lead on them, if you get a lead on the, on the bucks or on the Cowboys, it's kind of hard for them to come back because the defense can't hold up. Right. Do you agree with me on that? I feel like they've been kind of similar teams on, on that path. I could, I could, yeah, I could, I could see that. That's 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 an agreeable term, yeah. Because if Rodgers gets a huge lead on them in the playoffs, like, do you really trust Dak to come back and make it even? Like, do you think the defense would be able to stop Rodgers at some point to make it kind of even, or do you even think Dak would elevate to to try to bring him back on that level to make it like a, a one score game with like five minutes to go in the fourth or something like that? Or do you feel like it would be the odds would be too like insurmountable to come back from? I think it's a possibility because I think Green Bay's defense could be could be had just mm-hmm. as easily as as Dallas's could. Again, they're a very beatable team, but you you can't put all of the you can't put all of all of your chips on that one basket of of the offense being able to just pull through mm-hmm. because maybe yeah maybe that could work for that one game, but that's not that shouldn't be a consistent pattern for the remainder of the playoffs mm-hmm. all the way up into the Super Bowl because that's that's not how you're going to win the championship. And I think that's, this is why I always tell Jake's, it can't always be score, 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 score. Mm-hmm. Like, you gotta win these close games where, you know, you might be dealing with conditions like the Buffalo New England game a few weeks ago where it was right. super windy and like it was won by the run game and field goals. Like, that's, you gotta find different ways to win. And I'm just wondering, like, are you comfortable right now with the run game of Dallas with, uh, cause who's out for the season? Is it Pollard? No, Pollard played. Oh, he did play? Okay. Yeah. I thought I had heard he, a sprain or an MCL tear or something to that effect. It so. was it was a sprain. Okay, so uh, yeah, he is he, back though. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how do you feel about the run game, and how do you feel about the defense? I mean, I know there's been a lot of talk of Trayvon Diggs, and I get that interceptions and all that stuff is great, but you know he also gets burned a lot as well. Yeah. So there's a lot of give and take with him. But like, do you trust this defense? Push come to shove, if you all face Brady again, like to stop him, or do you think it? it it may not. They may be missing a few pieces to get that that Super Bowl like level type defense. I know this is apples to oranges uh, when I make this comparison because you you simply just cannot compare Brady to the likes of a of like a Cousins or or a Heineke or mm-hmm. or whoever. Um, again, it's it's a tale of two Dallas teams, and I feel like if the version of this Dallas team with the defense that that comes crisp and that that's on the assignments and with our front seven with our defensive linemen and especially Micah Parsons being being the disruptive playmaker that that they are and that he is mm-hmm. i think that that could give Dallas an edge maybe not enough to 
you know, completely shut out like an Aaron Rodgers or Brady, mm-hmm. but enough to keep it competitive Close to point. where you, you have to see who's going to have the ball within the last two minutes of the game and, and what they're going to do with it. Because Dak is, is very he, – he hasn't shown that too much from what I've seen in, in previous seasons where he can he can pull out a clutch win. I mean, yeah, he had that – that clutch win in overtime against the Patriots, right. but we started with the ball, so that's a completely different story. Mm-hmm. But sorry, I, uh, saw you, I saw you clinch your chest. There. That's things. It's those things. Um, but you know, somebody like a like a Rodgers or a Brady, you give. I I have a whole lot more confidence in them under two minutes as of, as of right now than I do with with Dak. And that's okay. not saying that Dak isn't capable of it because he's shown he can he can throw the ball and he can be effective with with moving the chains, but. Mm. Again, this is going to come down to in, in a big time moment in a different in a different environment with the playoffs as opposed to a regular season win. Mm-hmm. Okay, so gun to your head, you're feeling good about where this team's at at this point, and, and it's okay to say yes. Like I'm totally okay with that because I mean, there you can say whatever you want to say. Like wins are wins, right? Like you're stacking up. Like you, you're only you can only control the opponents you're giving them the season. So I mean, I'll give you all that that credit at least. Like you're winning those games. You won the division, which is should always be your first uh, point of business before thinking about Super Bowl runs or anything like that. Win right. your division first, secure a playoff spot. So you've done both. You've won the division, you've clinched a playoff spot. So now we can start to for you guys. You can kind of start to look forward to January, even though there is still a possibility you could end up in the number one seat. I mean, if Green Bay wets the bed, you know who who knows, whatever. So it's still not out of possibility of you all getting the number one seat, but. At this point, uh, yeah, if you're pretty confident with your team, that's that's a it's a win win for you this year, huh? We'll 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 see what happens. I I think that gun to my head, if I had to if I had to say it, I think that as of right now, whoever aside from us, you know, aside from like a, a Green Bay and, and a Tampa Bay and a Los Angeles, anybody else who who makes the cut, you know, any of the wild cards, any of the other three teams that that might make it in. Everybody's a beatable team. Mm-hmm. Dallas isn't the only one that's vulnerable. Everybody is is beatable. Yeah, it's been um, a, it's been a weird year with like upsets and like just random teams beating. Like for example, I think tech, the Texans beat the they, Chargers. Yeah, they beat year. the Chargers. Yeah, and it's like where, where did that come from? Like it Texans? was a blowout. It wasn't just a beating. They, they beat them by like twenty something points. It's just been that kind of season. So uh, it's good in terms of like you don't want there to be just one dominant team right you want everybody to mm-hmm. have a chance and it's usually not like that in the NFL even though like the Brady thing and the Patriots and that stuff that's like an outlier we're like I don't think we're ever going to see that again so right. usually it's like a whole different set of teams every single year um also gun to your head real quickly super bowl prediction just of what we've seen of right now who do you see making it mm. if the if the championship games were today deciding the super bowl Deciding the Super Bowl. If I had to pick, let's see. I th- I would probably go on the AFC. I'm going to start with the AFC side first. Okay. I would have to go with a Kansas City yeah. just because – I don't think and, – and this should not be like, you know, you have no reason to hold your head down. Mm. I, I know how good and, and how how overperformed Mac Jones has, has done for his rookie season. Mm. And he's definitely within the conversation of, of being, you know, offensive rookie 
um, with with how much he's done for this organization in his first year. I don't think he's ready for that stage just yet. Yeah. Maybe given another year, two tops, and they're definitely gonna gonna be back into it in the swing of things. I mean, the fact that they they have they went into a positive, into a plus, and they were number one, the number one seed in the AFC at one point. Yeah, um, should should speak volumes. Um, but again, but after after yesterday, with with what happened between them and and the and the, the Bills. Bill. Um, you know, show, kind of shows that that they can be had as well. And, mm. and Mahomes and the Chiefs, after going through their slump, have just been on a, on a continuous rise. And, and they've the Kansas City Chiefs have been consistently back to back at least in the AFC Championship mm. game for the past three or four years. I'm starting to think they were playing possum this whole time. Maybe it's it's starting to look very suspicious. How like all of a sudden they've turned like they were like last in the division. Yeah. But then it was also the other team's fault for not continuing to win. They just let Kansas City get they back. They just turned on the Jets. It's just, God bless. Like, But, yeah, I'm on the same boat as you. For a couple weeks back, I mean, like, my prediction is locked in already. So I have I have the Patriots-Packers uh, for the Super Bowl. But now I'm starting to think it's going to be, like, Chiefs-Packers. Like, I can just smell it already. Um, but I don't know. Who do you see coming out of the NFC? <clears throat> I think Aaron Rodgers can be had. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how confident I am with Green Bay. They they have they have a good shot, mm-hmm. but I don't. Mm. <laughs> it may it may with with as close as as Green Bay has been in the last couple of weeks to their their previous opponents. Mm-hmm. They they very well could, you know, they could mess around and lose to either a Tampa or even even a, a Los Angeles if they don't play Dallas. Yeah. Um, I don't see Los Angeles going to the Super Bowl. I could be wrong, but that's that's just as of right now at the, with with what I see. So you're just you're thinking Tampa or Dallas goes. I'm, I'm thinking, yeah. I'm thinking, right. I'm thinking we may see. I think we very well may see a rematch from <laughs> from the first game of the year to the last game of of the oh, season for the NFC for, Championship. Yep, for the NFC Championship. I, I I very much think that that I proclaimed that a few or earlier in the year, just messing around. That was that was after week one. That was <laughs> yeah. that, that was immediately after that game. But I, I think that there's a very high possibility that 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 could very well be the. Um, you know the outcome that we see. Um, it would be in Dallas too. It would. Would you try to get tickets for that, or would you? Oh, would it be too much? It, I mean, I mean, if we're talking playoff game in Jerry World, I mean, Jerry World is already expensive as it is, right, so right. those tickets are going to be astronomical. That's like a, but that's like a once in a lifetime, like Tom yeah. Brady coming over, Super Bowl birth on the line. Like, if you could, if you had the chance to go, like you should try to try to go, even if it's like. I don't want to say all the all the seats are bad in AT and T Stadium because they have that giant Tron. Like, right. So basically, anything's uh, uh, it's watchable from from there. But man, wouldn't that be something though if it ends up being that like that? It would be flipped of how the season started. It was in Tampa, and now it would be in in Jerry World. It's a very it's an appetizing uh, NFC Championship game. The so, stakes would be high for me. Oh yeah, because <laughs> I either. I I would I want to say that this this season of all seasons, it has to come to an end at some point. So it's like either the Cowboys, because I've always said the bar for me is if they can make an NFC Championship game, like I'll kind of I'll stop the trolling. I was like, because that was my bar for you guys. I was mm-hmm. like, talk to me when you make an NFC title game. Then right. like I'll you know I'll give you guys your props and your credit, and I'll stop like mocking you guys. 
So that's kind of like the end of it. So if you guys were to do that, like that's the end of me, like trolling or anything like that. And I'll I'll be a man of my word, and I'll even eat crow. Like if you were to beat a Tom Brady in an NFC title game, I'll be like, I'll bow down. I'll be like, I mean, I won't bend the knee. Calm down. <laughs> but I'll, I'll I'll bow a little bit. I'll you know give you guys uh, your cahoots and you know I even did it after the opening game of the season. I was like, this was a very different, mature Cowboys. I mean, there's been a couple of slips up in the middle of the season but that first game y'all played as it was very grown-up cowboys like there wasn't any dumb mistakes or bad coaching decisions or anything to make us laugh like it was like oh shit like they played us like this it felt like a freaking nfc title game like it was on the line even though it was the first game of the season so again i i just feel like it's it's coming to an end like that era of me poking fun at you guys because you either if even if you don't do it this year like you're already close as far as like you have that type of roster to make it to a Super Bowl. Just got to continue to to build, and just to, build on it. Yeah, to expect to to ascend in the upward direction, right. and not do what we've done in year past, where we had a stellar regular season, we got bounced in the playoffs, and then back to mediocrity we go, where it's yeah. another either another five hundred team or sub five hundred. God forbid. I will be thankful that knock on wood, we haven't gotten to the to the point of like a. Being like a like a Jacksonville or or a Cleveland oh, right. or or a, a Jets where we're just like one in fifteen or, or two in fourteen or whatever, mm-hmm. so that's I'll, I'll give them credit for that. But gun to my head, I see Chiefs and hint hint wink wink. If you expect disappointment, you'll never be disappointed. <laughs> but I'm actually gonna say. I'm for the first time in a while. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to say, I think Dallas has a very viable shot of making it into the Super Bowl. I will work that day. I will. I will work that day. There's no way I could watch that Super Bowl with any type of glee. Who would I root for? Like, I don't want Patrick Mahomes. I wouldn't want Patrick Mahomes to win because everybody would just be throwing out the goat term again. Like, oh, this this is the next guy that's going to win all this. Even though Brady beat him already, but whatever. We know how the media is. But then on the flip side, said if the Cowboys win, I'll never hear the end of it. I yeah, I was going to re- say I may have to retire from Facebook. Just, just, just go off, just go off the radar. Just be, uh, just be, just be the, just be the Christian Bale Batman at the end of Dark Knight. Just right off into the sunset, never to, never to be in, Where into was retirement. Tyler? He's at a cafe somewhere in Europe, just mm-hmm. living his life, watching old Patriots DVDs or whatever. Oh man. I don't know what I would do with myself if that's the Super Bowl. Obviously, I would cover it as part of the SM football marks, but after that, I don't think I could watch any coverage. I would just schedule me to work. I won't even put the game on. I mean, I'll probably have to, but I won't pay any attention to it, and I would just either wait for all the texts, when it's over, like, hey, you're going to just all of the, the notifications. notifications. Just put just put your phone on do not disturb mode. Just, <laughs> yeah. just leave it. It would be like that scene in Training Day where Denzel gets gunned down at mm-hmm. the end of the movie. That's exactly my fate if that were to happen. And uh, it, it'd be interesting, but also. I mean, you may not have to put the game on because <laughs> if, if Dallas does make it, I don't imagine anybody's going to be going out a whole lot to, to you know. It'll be the deadest place in, anywhere yeah. in Texas, really. Oh man! Everybody's but, gonna be at bars and restaurants, or at home having cookouts. But if that would happen. But it is that kind of season where you know I'll even be honest. They could they could make it as much as shit as I give them. Like oh, they haven't beaten anybody or whatever. 
any team can be beaten, at least this season. There's no dominant team whatsoever. Um, we've been going a little bit here on appetizing. We're getting you all hyped up. We're, we're going to get to Spider-Man. Got one more little topic to go on just a bit before we get to that. Uh, it is currently, as we're recording this, December 27th, which means we are just a few days away from the premiere of Cobra Kai Season 4. And I can't believe it's already been a year because Season 3 dropped right at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. And that was after a two-year wait because of COVID and everything. So it feels like it's coming super fast. Um, when did you get hooked on the show? Because I know you're kind of like a... I still consider you like a newcomer to the series, but you got like really into it, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. That I, I want to say that this probably happened right at the turn of, of the new year coming into this year. Mm-hmm. So right at the end of last year, uh, coming into this year is, is when I started my my binge, uh, you know, from, from episode to episode, and I was instantly hooked. What, what, um, what about the show is it that you like? Is it the acting? Is it the storytelling? Is it the, the new characters? Like, what, what, what is it about the show that you feel has gotten, like, so much mainstream attention? Because it was, this was a show that was on U, a, U, a platform called YouTube Red, which was, they were trying to do original programming, kind of like their own streaming platform. Uh, they shut that down and it got bought out by Netflix. So now it got viewed by more eyes and, you know, mm-hmm. everybody's love. I haven't really come into anybody that online or Twitter or wherever that has not liked this show. And I'm just wondering, like, I just want to gain a perspective from somebody that, you know, I mean, I'm a diehard Karate Kid fan and all that stuff. But I just want to know what is it about this show that has hooked you and what you love about it? I want to, I want to say that for me, a lot of it is really the elements of drama with everything else kind of mixed into it that kind of makes it this whole complete really great piece of art to to watch and enjoy and to uh you know to really sink your teeth into without even realizing that you know two or three hours or so have gone by and you've already binged a season or two um there's they they do well with having just enough not too much because you do see this a lot of days where um you know, a, a lot of what you see is, is fluff or, or, um, you know, they, they really rely too heavily on, on nostalgia. And as somebody who's, who's an adrenaline junkie from nostalgia, I feel like they do just enough of it where it's not overloaded to where that's the focal point of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a sucker for anything that, that really kind of makes you empathize, uh, with a different point of view, especially from, from somebody who at one point was considered an antagonist. Mm-hmm. So they really have you empathize with Johnny Lawrence and, and, you know, his, his coming up and, and what life has been for him ever since the, the karate tournament, um, you know, with Daniel LaRusso. And they, they really pull you in, in, in multiple directions throughout each season. You, you, you want to commit to, you know, rooting for or really get behind one character and then, the smallest little thing happens and then there's like a misdirection or a miscommunication between between two people and then all of a sudden the tides change and so right. this person kind of kind of turns it, it's it's a classic storytelling of, of baby face and heels yeah. which which is it's you know that's, that's wrestling. wrestling 101 yeah. which is another reason to like it um another big thing too for me is uh i i'm almost done with my rewatch before the the new season comes out i just wrapped up season two and, and the soundtrack oh the, yeah the, the soundtrack is amazing the the covers that they do for a lot mm-hmm. of the songs like Cruel Summer or even uh, the the Proto Men yeah. with their their cover of uh, In the Air Tonight yeah, at, at the end of at the end of season three it's 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 so much to take in and they do it so well but I feel like everything is revolved around like I said the elements of drama and the storytelling and, and the pulling on the heartstrings and in mm. different directions and then everything else all of those other elements are, are just kind of mixed in which which makes it that much better I just the reason I love it so much <laughs> is because it's 
it's taking the old but actually building on it and growing it mm-hmm. as to something like and I know I give a lot of shit to like Star Wars fans but Star Wars like they brought it back right for this new generation right but I felt like they didn't really try to tell anything new it was more just like here's new characters but kind of the focus is still like on the past right as with Cobra Kai it's like yes they have all these elements of the past that they're bringing back and into the story but it's 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 spilled over to the kids of the next generation and then moving their, mm-hmm. that story forward and I think it's just woven so beautifully the same way the Rocky series has done it with Creed where it's like right. you're moving the story forward with a new character even though it's it's carrying all that legacy behind it so I feel like those have been the two staples of like how you if you want to revive something like do it like that like I don't know anybody that's wanting to bring back whether it's Terminator again or you know Aliens Predator whatever it is like I don't know how they're not looking at like these shows or those movies like the Creed movies be like that's how we got to do it right instead of trying to do the exact same thing um i know you said you were still kind of like you haven't really rewatched the original movies uh in a very long time but one of the key elements for this new season is they're bringing back the villain from part three which is kind of like a forgettable movie i i like it a lot but for personal reasons Mm -hmm. because of this character that's coming back um but have you seen the new trailer and does it does this look like uh Something that you're going to be into or is like with, you with want to see where the story goes? The return or? of Terry Silver? Yes. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Uh, with with everything that they've revealed in this new trailer. And I don't know if they've – so outside of the – I don't know if this was the original trailer. So I think you shared one on, on Facebook and I, I shared it too among, amongst other mutual friends. That's the only thing that I've seen uh, of it. Mm-hmm. I haven't really kept up with or seen a whole lot of posts or, or anything related to it or any other updates on that. Um, so with just the clips that I've seen up to this point, the, the dialogue that they've shared, um, you know, especially with, with like, like Tori and and Robbie Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, with Robbie having the knowledge that he has training under LaRusso and and the fact that he's going to be like, Oh, you know, to, to beat your enemy, you have to become your enemy. And he's going to teach them the the elements of the wax on the wax off and and, and the balance and the perfect balance and all that stuff. Yagido. It's, it's going to, I mean, it's going to rock just, just hands down. I'm, I'm, I'm super excited for it. Any favorite characters new from the new, like, that they've established, like, whether it be the kids or the new adults they've introduced? Mm. Anybody that sticks, like, oh, man, I, I relate so much to that character or... Not anybody that I would say I would relate to, but, um, you know, this this could al- also be just because of bias because I, I chose him in my casting with the uh, the recasting of Judgment Day. Mm-hmm. But uh, Tanner Buchanan with uh, with Robbie. Oh, yeah. Just because I feel like... This could just be me, but I feel like I, I don't. I don't think he's too far gone to the point where his dad, where, where Johnny Lawrence, can can kind of turn him back right. to the right side. It may be something where in in the season, the new season, like it comes down to the finals of the of the tournament, and he kind of just, you know, he he turns him at, at the last moment, and it's gonna get it's gonna mm-hmm. cause some involvement. You might see like a like a Larusso and Lawrence versus uh, versus Crease and uh, and Silver, but. Um, yeah, I, I think that he's he's not too far gone. I think he could be turned, he could be saved. I mean, even still he plays like with this with his character being such a troubled, you know, teenager from a broken home, he plays it so well. So it, even even though he's like a bad guy, he's the heel, he plays a really good heel. Well it's it's so interesting because uh I I'm rewatching it just as you are and uh I was rewatching the first season and you feel like you don't catch stuff but you do. 
And I think they're kind of like AEW where, like, they plant stuff really early. Mm-hmm. And, like, if you don't catch it, like, it does pay off later. If you notice throughout season one, there's very – there's a lot of hints of Robbie, like, that guy's going to be a heel. Like, just watch. Like, I know throughout it he's, like, been the, the baby face. But, like, there's little sprinkles where it's, like, no, this – if you're watching wrestling, that, that, that guy's going to be a heel. Just watch. Yeah. And here it looks like – I was worried about him for a second as far as, like, being lost in the shuffle because in season three i remember him kind of like being in the background for a little bit right but in this last trailer it's like oh he looks like the one that's like level-headed from everybody else and kind of like you know what i'm gonna use both of this stuff and i'm gonna use it against everybody um so i'm i mean i'm really looking forward uh hopefully they do what i love about cobra kai also is they do some interesting stuff where it's not they'll twist it a little bit where you think it's going to go a certain way and then they, they flip it on you and that's just the genius of the writing. Um, so I'm expecting a lot of twists and turns in this story where the trailer may just be a little bit misleading where you think it might just be a straight story and they're going to just flip it. Uh, I'm super excited. Um, are you going to have a chance to watch it this weekend or find time or, or it, uh, it all, it really all just depends on when it, when it drops. Uh, because if it's, because it's going to air on New Year's Eve. Right. So if it airs like Thursday night going into Friday, super late at night, whether that be the like exactly at 12 or 12.01 or maybe mm-hmm. some odd time like 2 or 3 in the morning, right. which either gives me the opportunity to A, pull an all-nighter or B, uh, just binge watch it throughout the day and throughout the afternoon before right. evening festivities take place. Not that yeah. I have a whole lot of plans anyway, but still, you know, anything can happen yeah. between now and then. Um, yeah, I'm definitely going to try to jump on it as soon as possible. Yeah. Well, I'm putting out a personal invite to you to come back on this show because I do want to <laughs> do a full-on spoiler talk on, on that season because, I mean, I just – I can spend hours talking Cobra Kai. So if you're interested in that, uh, you're more than welcome to come back on and we can do a full-on discussion. It'll be probably later on in the new year, but – uh, just throwing that out there for you. Yeah, so no. we can discuss this. Um, I think we've uh, we've appetized the the audience enough. It's time to get to the main event of this show, and that is all talk on Spider Man No Way Home, which I've dubbed No Way Out throughout the course of this year. And uh, wrestling insiders will only know what I'm talking about. Why I was calling it that? Just just because I think that would have been a better title. But knowing what happens in this movie totally understand why they called it this um let's talk about first uh just the overall box office success of this now i even surprised myself like where i had to like say holy shit how did i nail this i called the prediction of this movie Mm -hmm. uh about a week in advance before it premiered i was like this thing's gonna hit 260 i think everybody's underplaying it i think this is gonna be not close to Endgame, but it's got that type of hype around it. And uh, when everybody was talking about it at work and we had our like big meetings with everybody, they kind of really undersold it. Like, oh, this Spider-Man's coming out. It's going to be busy. I was like, no, like, uh, it's going to be a little bit more. And I don't care if we're in a pandemic. This this thing's going to be exclusive to the theaters. Um, you can't watch it anywhere else. So, And people are ready, have been ready for a long time to be, come back out. You know, you see people going out to restaurants and all that stuff, sporting events. Mm-hmm. So nobody's kind of really afraid to go. I mean, at least not here in Texas where we're at. I don't know about other states, but I think they underplayed it really, really badly. And I was like, no, nah. I told everyone this at work too. I was like, don't underestimate this movie. Like, yes, it's going to be busy, but this is going to be like 
on a whole other level where like we're talking like weeks where it's going to be busy it's going to be that kind of movie sure enough 260 million the second biggest opening of all time pandemic or no pandemic so it's it's only right behind avengers endgame as the biggest opening ever and as of today, it's already crossed $1 billion at the box office. Yep, worldwide. What are, you, what are your thoughts on the box office numbers so far? And that they exceed whatever you were expecting if you made any of your own predictions on it. I didn't make any of my own personal predictions. I, I'm actually – I don't want to say that I'm surprised. I'm, I'm more pleased and, and proud of, mm-hmm. of these numbers more than anything else. But that's because, I mean, this is my guy. So yeah. everybody should expect that answer from me. Um I, I, with with all things considered, with everything going on in the world, and with with everybody talking about, with a lot of people talking about this new variant and, and how this you know this unfortunate circumstance that we're in, that we've been in for the last two years now, mm. has has yet to go away. Um, it only leads me to believe that maybe not beat Endgame, but it would have given Endgame more of a run for its money had the pandemic not been a factor. Oh, yeah, I was going to say Because that, a, like, lot of, a lot of theaters, you got to remember, a lot of theaters went out of business and went under and shut true, down true. around the country. So, you know, Endgame had, even Infinity War, Endgame and Infinity War had access to, to companies and to theaters that No Way Home, you know, didn't have the opportunity to, to debut at. So mm. I venture to say the numbers could have been even more astronomical if covid was was never a factor again i'm not saying that it may have beaten endgame but it would have been it would have been a closer race and the fact that a lot of people consider i mean people that i know consider infinity war to be superior to endgame and the fact that it beat that out is it speaks volumes it says a lot so i'm, I'm proud of that yeah i'll actually I'll, I'll give you that so if there was no pandemic i would say this movie would have made at least 300 million for sure like opening weekend i don't know endgame is just an entirely different thing, even though that movie was like way longer. Um, so how it even did that with the length of the movie, meaning shorter show times, less in the day. But I, I'll give Spider Man that. If there was no pandemic for sure, I think it would have broke over three hundred million, and I confidently would have made a prediction like that had there been no no COVID or anything like that. But incredible numbers. Again, I've been at work since it opened. I mean, it's been one of the hardest tickets to get into. You know, you got people that come in, like, and I'm not, I always poke fun of the people that come in for the 7 o'clock shows, but even the people that will come in for, like, a 12 or 1 o'clock show, they're like, hey, let me get a ticket for Spider-Man, and I just kind of give them that face, like, oh, like, you're a little, like, should have gotten them way ahead of time, Mm -hmm. because here's the seating chart, you're going to be sitting in the front, they're like, what are you talking about, what's going on, I was like, this is the most, one of the most popular movies to ever come out, uh, at least in the, in the time that we're at right now, um. So it is a real hard ticket. So for those of you out there that haven't seen it yet, and if you haven't, stop listening to this podcast. because we're about to get into all of it, uh, and then come back afterwards after you see it. But get your tickets ahead of time because it's going to be a hot ticket for a while because, you know, there's nothing really in the new year coming out that really take away attention from this. So just like Shang-Chi back in September, it's going to have really nothing around it till like, I don't know. I can't. I don't. Can't even think of what the next really big movie that would really take away attention from this. Mm-hmm. I'm sure something will take it over. But when does uh, when does the new uh, when does that Harry Potter spinoff, The Secrets of Dumbledore, uh, Dumbledore, when does that come out? I believe that's an April release. It's not February. No, it's in April. Okay, never mind. I thought that was a February well, movie. The only one I'm thinking of is in January, and I'm surprising myself that I'm going to say this is Morbius. But only because it's got ties to Venom mm, yeah, they're and gonna, Spider-Man. They're going to want to see what the what the aftermath is. So is, this, yeah. is this connected to No Way Home in some way or whatever? So 
that's where I think Sony is the big winner here because the Venomverse is really the huge winner in all of this. Right. Um, so maybe people are going to be like, oh, let's see what happens now. And, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to make a huge amount of money, but there's going to be curiosity where it'll finally probably take over Spider-Man. The only other mm-hmm. movie, and I don't think it will, is Scream. But uh, horror movies have made a comeback, but it's a wait and see if that one's going to do anything. Um, that's more of a that's more of a cult following. I, true. I feel like you have to be like an actual you have to appreciate the art of horror to actually go out and see that movie. Right. Either that or you have to be a diehard Scream fan. But I also remember that that they actually made a series of that on MTV for the younger generation. I don't I've never seen it, mm-hmm. but there was an actual Scream TV show, so the younger audience is aware of the Scream franchise, so that may help its numbers. I mean, because I know the last one that came out, it did it didn't do squat, right? But it was around a time where horror wasn't really back in the mix as being like this huge like box office juggernaut. Um, but yeah, I know Spider Man's going to dominate for a very long time. Um, but for my business, I'm very happy with those numbers. Um, if anything, this is they said Spider Man's going to save the cinemas, and what I think what they mean by that is I think it's going to make the streamers really. Or the studios really second guess like doing day and streaming, which is something that probably hurt the Matrix Resurrections. Mm. Um, and I mean, we can go on record and say like the HBO Max thing, like it was smart at the beginning of the year, right? Like Godzilla versus Kong overperformed Tom and Jerry, but as the year went on, like all the other movies kind of really underperformed. Suicide Squad, um, can't think of any other one. Like you know, Dune. Dune made money, but. Had it been a theater exclusive, might have made more money right. than The Matrix ending it. That's a huge franchise. That I haven't really looked at the numbers, but they haven't really been wow. So I think studios are going to look like Disney should really look at this and be like, well, we're, we're never going to do day and streaming with, with our movies again. They did it with Black Widow. Yep. Um, Didn't they do it with, uh, what, what did they do, Ryan the Last Dragon or Ryan, something like yeah. that? Most of the Disney movies up until I think when Shang-Chi came out yeah. were just uh, were day and streaming. Or you, you would have to pay a premium price. But I think this is going to change as far as, like, not cool. We'll let the theaters have uh, have the exclusivity for a while because that's our best chance to make money, especially if it's something that people want to see. Um, so, yeah, that, that's how it, I think it's really going to help save our business. And the only thing that's shortened for us now is just the, the windows. So, like, mostly every movie that comes out now will only be available to us exclusively for, like, 45 days and then afterwards it'll be on streamers or you can buy it on blu-ray or whatever like i was reading today the batman premieres like in march then i think by like the end of april or the beginning of may it'll be available to stream so but it's good for us because that's when the most the movies make the money anyway so that's going to help us regardless but the day the same day as streaming in the theater that's going to be it was a failed experiment and just goes to show that people will turn up to a theater i don't know i don't i wouldn't necessarily consider it a failed experiment it was i mean it, it was it, a necessity it, it did its job yeah. at, at the time that it needed to do its job but then once you started to roll out with with the vaccines and the boosters and mm-hmm. everything like that and, and and more more and more masses of people start to build more confidence with being able to to go out comfortably and, and just kind of live a life of normalcy again that's when it started to kind of shift the tide but um i think streaming did did what it needed to do at the time that it needed to do it but mm-hmm. with you know everything that's that's going on and, and the resources that that are available and, and this really also just kind of depends on what end of the spectrum of the, this of this topic that you fall on mm-hmm. some people might de- uh, think differently and, and think oh well you know i don't i don't think it's a, it's a time to to be going out still I, I still want to you know kind of hold myself back um 
you know, with, with me and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people feel the same with, with you in, in our industry. So you work on behalf of a movie theater. Um, I actually work for a gym now. So anyone who knows me will realize that I finally have a job that makes sense for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I get a lot of, I get a lot of phone calls from, from people who have memberships that are like, yeah, hey, I'm not, my, my account is going to be coming back to being able to access the, the club. I'm just not comfortable with, with coming back yet. I, mm-hmm. I want to keep my account on hold until, we start to settle down with this new with this new variant of, of COVID going around. So again, it really just depends on where you fall on the end of the spectrum. But I think that a good majority of the people, um, again, like I said, with the resources that that are around us, um, even if you, um, you know, for for your own personal reasons, if if you feel like the vaccine or the booster is not for you, just people in general are, are starting to come back out with more confidence of of being able to live a normal life and. Mm. Um, this, this was a good, uh, this was a good example of it. This, this, this movie, um, I, I cannot imagine if, if you had told me that if, even if you had told me Hey, you with, with no premium at all whatsoever, Spider-Man No Way Home is going to be available on Disney plus a week, an entire seven days prior to its theater release mm-hmm. on Disney plus. I don't think I would have jumped on that, that bandwagon. Mm-hmm. I think I would have waited because a movie like this, you have to watch on an IMAX screen, you have to experience, you know, being being in an auditorium and, and being engulfed and, and encapsulated, mm-hmm. um, you know, with with the wide array of, of the characters and the scenery and everything that's going mm-hmm. on. Um, so this this was the perfect example of of you know starting to to really shift the tide and, and bring a lot more confidence into the into the movie theater industry for sure. Uh, last point on the box office, the thing that really turned it for me, and I had no idea because uh, in our company we don't really enter in the showtimes anymore they kind of just go on sale like corporate does all of that stuff hmm. so we're kind of just like you know whatever whatever shows they make they make so i i didn't realize in the final trailer that they released for this movie they were like buy your tickets on this day spider monday or whatever they called it yeah yeah yeah. so i remember being at home i think it was on, on that sunday night when the tickets went on sale mm-hmm. and i was getting all these texts and messages like hey i can't get my spider-man tickets or whatever just crashing or whatever i was like what are you talking about they're like yeah the spider-man tickets are on sale and i was I was like, oh, shit, really? Like, I had no idea. And I saw all these posts, like, from you and everybody else. Oh, I got my tickets and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, man, this was, like, the right there, I was like, this movie is going to be, like, super freaking big. Like, bigger than, I mean, not as big as Endgame, but we're talking, like, that type of level where there was this anticipation. So once I saw that, I was like, okay, cool. Like, now mentally I can prepare for what kind of movie this is going to be. And sure enough, that's what ended up happening. But it never in my wildest dreams that I think I was going to, Hit it right on the mark of where it opened. Um, let's get into the actual movie. Um, where to begin? Um, I guess first overall, I guess on a Cisco and Eber type level, is it a strong thumbs up, strong thumbs down? Were you neutral on it? We need to get you on the record of what you thought of this movie overall, and then we'll get into specifics. To no surprise to anybody, this is going to be a definite strong thumbs up. Um, there are so many things that, that this movie did right. Uh, I'm, I'm going to actually go out on a limb and say no right off the bat. Do I think it's the perfect movie? No. Um, do I think it's the perfect film? No. It, it, definitely, had its, it definitely had its flaws. I, I can be and, – and you brought me on here for this reason because I can, I can be objective on that. Um, but there's so many things that it, that it did right. There was so many – there was so much redemption in this movie for so many different individuals. Um, and this will be the first spoiler. So if you haven't already paused this podcast by now, I, I would strongly encourage you to do so unless you really don't care. But for those of you who are wondering, 
yes, Andrew and Toby both make their returns and we get a live action Spider-Verse. And I feel like, you know, the, 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 the Toby trilogy ended the way that it did with Spider-Man 3 and then they re- recast it into Andrew. Andrew didn't even get a trilogy. Mm-hmm. They, they, stopped, they stopped production or they stopped uh, – they, they scrapped the idea of an amazing Spider-Man 3 back in 2014 or 15. But this is, this is how you tell a Spider-Man 3 story. Mm-hmm. And, and this is how you tell a Spider-Man 3 story if you want to, you know, if you want to put in uh, you know, a, a good, good amount of villains in it. Uh, while still being able to tell a tangible story without not a whole lot of background noise, um, you know this is this is how you you tell a story of, you know it's it's kind of it's almost like another coming of age for for Tom Holland's character. Right. You we we got to with his trilogy we got to skip past uh, watching you know Uncle Ben die and we got to skip past. Although we'll get to that because we'll, there's a version of that yeah, in this movie. There is. Um, but I'm talking like it, it wasn't like a true origin story like the other two was. We right. got to skip past all of that mm-hmm. um, and then just jump straight into, you know, his journey into wanting to be an Avenger. And mm-hmm. then all of the lessons that he learned um, throughout Homecoming and then throughout Far From Home and then in No Way Home and, and just how everything just kind of tied together at, at the very end and um, where it's going to go from here and how much it's going to lead into. Um, and then the the potential for for toby and, and andrew are there as well yeah um there's i don't know how much you've been reading into it but there's a lot of clamor now and a lot of noise being made where people want as as easy as, now that you've that's, seen that's how easy now, it is, right? how, how easy as it is for 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 the studios to bring these these people back now you want a continuation again of of what their stories could have been what their point of view could be so it's 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 a lot of it's a lot of good justice and a lot of good redemption for for everybody um, and just an overall fantastic movie and, and story to watch from from start to finish. So for me, as I was doing my rewatch of everything Spider Man, including Into the Spider Verse, which my God, I forgot how freaking incredible that movie was. Um, I obviously loved the Toby movies. I was very bullish on Amazing Spider Man two, but going back and rewatching them, like it, that one wasn't as bad as I remember it. I still consider it a bad movie, but mm-hmm. I, I definitely enjoyed it more and definitely missed the and I'll flat out say it, Andrew Garfield is the better actor of the three. Um his emotional stuff hits way better. Um and up until I loved Homecoming, but that movie was made entirely by Michael Keaton's vulture character. I think if you take him out of that movie, for me anyways, it's not that strong of a movie because the hero's only as good as the villain. Mm-hmm. Um and then I thought in my rewatch of Far From Home, I thought I liked it when I originally saw it. When I rewatched it, I thought it was really, really bad. Um, I just felt a lot of stuff. Just I don't know, nothing hit except Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, and if you take him out of it, I was like, it would have been a complete waste. Like, what is this movie? Um, so for me, all this movie had to do was just be better than Far From Home, and I would have been satisfied. So I went in with like. You know, I didn't go in with those expectations. Like, oh, t- they're they're going to be in it, guys. They're going to be in it. I just went in. I, give me a good. I want a Spider-Man movie. Like, that's what I want. That's all I want. A good story and something more to like what Toby was dealing with, with Andrew, with all of these more emotional beats in it. As instead of like the the gravitas of the MCU thing. Mm. And I'm happy to say, like, once we get to like the the middle of the second act to the end, it's like holy shit, like. Where has this this Spider Man been for this entire series? Like they finally got to the heart of it, and it 
again, I posted it as soon as I saw it. This is one of the most satisfying movies you're going to get, uh, in just in general in movies, as you're ever going to get. And it was a great way to end the year. And, you know, not that I was expecting it, but yes, hearing the rumblings of Toby and Andrew, like, if it happened, great. I will revel in it just like everybody else. But if it didn't happen, cool. Like, as long as it's a good movie, I'll be happy. But the minute you see it happen on screen, and I remember on my screen, we were like, oh, my God. And, of course, everyone comes at me like, yeah, I told you, Palace. I told you they were in it. It's like I, I never said anything about that. All I said was temper your expectations, you know, because you know, it was never it was never announced. It was never right. re- marketed. Same thing like CM Punk. It was one of those, like, worst kept secrets kind of thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like the- I was actually going to say, if I, if, I can, if I can interject no, really quick, um, was there ever – because we all know you. Um, and so I, I see how you just kind of like you, you do your, your fair share of trolling, um, and how you were just kind of poking at people to, to what, to your point, to what you were saying, to kind of just temp your expectations and, and to not, and, and understandably what you said makes sense. Like, Hey, don't, don't go after anybody's head and don't go after these studios just because your expectations didn't be met. But realistically, was there ever really any doubt in the back of your mind? Did you, were you like the rest of us where you you knew that there was no way or that there there was a good possibility that they were going to be in there for for that exact reason and i'm glad you brought you brought up the cm punk thing because this is really like this really is wrestling booking 101 Mm -hmm. this is you don't you don't advertise for for all of these old timely villains and and i even told you uh, a couple weeks ago at our friend uh, priscilla's graduation party um shout out priscilla if you're listening to this um but I even said I was like uh, I was I was browsing YouTube again. We'll, we'll I, I do want to bring this up again at mm-hmm. some point. Um, but I was browsing YouTube and they were doing like a I forget what the name of the company is called, but it's like whenever they have celebrities that come on and like oh we're gonna answer the questions that everybody Google's us about. Like, oh okay yeah yeah. And uh, you know prior prior to that day, the most recent one that I had seen was with Andrew Garfield, and it wasn't anything. You know, the, the, the timestamp of that video wasn't posted in like 2016 when he was doing uh, Hacksaw Ridge. Right. It wasn't anything in 2012 or 14 for any of the Amazing Spider-Man movies. So it kind of leads you to believe like the, the post stamp was like December of this year. So it's kind of like you people who are who are trying to get mainstream buzz or attention on themselves for something, for something that they have coming up yeah. are the only reason that they would get involved in like media spots like this. So it's kind of like. Why? Why would Andrew Garfield just kind of do this at the random unless he was trying to, mm. you know, prepare himself or hype himself for something kind of thing? So, yeah. did you did you always kind of know, like the rest of us, that it was going to be a strong possibility? I mean, I never really looked at it like that because I always feel like as creators, like they don't owe us anything, nor the actors. Like I hate what was bothering me was that when Andrew Garfield was saying no, like, hey guys, I'm not in it. Like, mm-hmm. sorry to disappoint you. And whether he's lying or not, like, he doesn't owe you any right to tell you that. Like, like if I was an actor, I would do the same thing. Like, I'm not going to – why would I want to spoil a surprise like that? And I want to give people joy, and if it happens, it happens. But I never went into it th- – I really went into it just like – I mean, if it wasn't for that spoiler like I got handed to me before I saw this movie. Before, I, was, I wasn't really thinking they were going to be in it. I was really thinking, okay, they're going to finish this 
storyline uh, uh, of the I guess what is it the Homecoming series is uh, that what they're calling it or dubbing it's, it? It's like a it's like Tom Holland's high school trilogy, like there this is the end of his high school okay. career. Yeah, that's what I was looking at it more. I wasn't in the faint very back like. Yeah, that'd be fucking cool. Like if they popped up. Like I'm not gonna lie. Like I'll mark out too. Like whatever. I never, I never denied that I wouldn't mark out if that if that happened on screen. But I didn't go into it like yeah, because again, we're wrestling fans. I did this to myself so many times with CM Punk. Like oh, he's gonna show up in the Royal Rumble. He's gonna mm-hmm. show up in the Royal Rumble. And then he doesn't. It's like that's my own damn fault for doing that. Because WWE never pushed it on us. Never marketed or said anything. It was just me. With those expectations. So I've learned from, if anything, WWE has taught me to always temper the expectations because, again, like you mentioned, one of the popular lines in that movie is, uh, expect to be disappointed and you never be disappointed. Right. Is that the exact wording of it? Um, if you expect disappointment, you'll never really there be disappointed. Yeah. So I, I've always gone in with that mantra with anything that I'm a diehard fan of, whether it even be Cobra Kai, like I'm going within whatever story they present to me mm-hmm. i'm not going in with my own theories or thinking of this is going to happen or whatever like no because if i do that then i'm going to hype myself up for something that may not even be in there in the first place so i've really learned to to channel that in myself when it comes to stuff that i'm excited for but the minute it happens in the movie it's like oh shit like they, they fucking went for it. They did it. Like that's <laughs> they got it to happen. That's that's fair. I'll I'll give you that. And I don't want this to be again. Like I'm not saying that if it didn't happen, there. And this is going to be a, a common theme here. Uh, there may be a universe out there where this this doesn't happen. They decide mm-hmm. to put all of their their chips and all of their faith in Holland and just have him tell out the story by himself. Um, and, and you know, to to your point with with the whole CM Punk stuff. Uh, you know, after after he walked out. There was always that that last like you were always holding on to that string. You you kind of let your grip like looser and looser and looser mm-hmm. as the years progressed. That he was going to come back at some point, even though they never teased anything. When he did come back, all of the other all of the other talent were doing promo spots and they were dropping little hints. Yeah, and and uh, you know wearing merchandise that kind of like oh like like chick magnet like oh CM like. You know they they were kind of doing stuff that was kind of giving you the the hint of like oh this is this is definitely for sure happening mm-hmm. like even even the Cobra Kai like even uh, if if the trailer never dropped where Terry Silver was was finally actually officially revealed because correct me if I'm wrong at the end of the last season they've been teasing just, him forever though. it just yeah it just ended with a phone call where yeah. it's like you have a feeling that it's him but it doesn't necessarily have to be him right so. You know, not not necessarily being disappointed where where it happened, but because of stuff like that, where it gives you the hints of, of yeah. Like, but if they do obvious subtlety like that, then yeah. okay, like because somebody tried to come at me for that. What about the CM Punk thing with you? I was like, yeah, but that was done very also in a way where like the worst kept secret in the world, where it's like they're not going to tell you, but they're kind of telling you without really mm-hmm. telling you if if that makes any sense. Um, I also feel like I also feel like too like that you know to your point where you bring up the interviews with with Andrew Garfield and, and how he kept just denying uh, being a part of this movie. I feel like I feel like that in of itself should have been somewhat not not necessarily a blatant giveaway, but that should have been somewhat of an indication of like you know this this is coming like if he it should have been like a one and done thing like if it truly was like hey I appreciate the thought but I'm not I'm not going to be in it you know mm-hmm. kind of thing but. There are several videos and of interviews and clips it. of like denying it to to where it gets to a point where it's like, 
okay, this is this is kind of being repetitive now. Like, mm. are, are you are you actually really trying to convince us that you're not in it because you're popping up too much now for you to, yeah. you know, to be causing this much attention for your, to yourself to not be in it? Kind well, of. Well, to be know? fair, he was also in another movie that's currently out on Netflix right now that's getting him attention, like for possibly awards contention. It's called Tick Tick Boom. Mm. So if there was a lot of him in the lead up to it, that's also another reason why. Um, but also, I hope this is a message for like any media or bloggers out there. Like they have no right to be mad at Andrew and be like, Oh he well he lied to us, like he was in it. Well like like I said, he doesn't owe you to tell you or spoil that for you. Like I would have done the exact same thing as an actor and of course he was probably contracted, like don't fucking say a word. Right. Or don't even think of of letting out that you're in this movie. Um it was just brilliant marketing. Uh I wanted to ask you though, as a super fan, how did that e- how did that rumor even start? Because I knew that this movie was announced it was called No Way Home, and then all I ever heard about it afterwards, oh, they're going to do the multiverse thing, but actually do it this time, not mm-hmm. not fake it like the way they did in Far From Home. But I don't know where all these rumblings came of, of, of Toby and, and Andrew. I don't know of where the genesis of that really started. Was it a leak, or what was it? A, I mean, I don't know where that started. Like, I don't, You could probably give me more insight into that. I could be I could be wrong here, but from my personal the, – the first time that I – that it ever like – set foot like made it stamp into my world into my own personal world mm-hmm. was this was like off the tail end of of into the spider-verse this so this was like early to mid 2019 i want to say this was also actually after like uh this was after endgame mm-hmm. so um you know with 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 dr strange going into you know fast forwarding into the future and watching like what 14 15 million possible outcomes in, in different universes different timelines there was it was a Facebook post where there was um a fan made uh poster mm-hmm. of it was it was Holland in the middle and then on his sides were Garfield and, and Maguire in their respective Spider Man costumes without their masks, but like behind them mm-hmm. were, were the portals that everybody were was coming oh, out okay, of okay. in Endgame. Mm-hmm. So to me, I feel like somewhere around that time that was that was the spark of um, because it wasn't just them too. This was also, and I want to say like this was pre the announcement of, of Fox getting bought out by, by Disney. Mm-hmm. So there was also like, I think, uh, I think his page is called boss logic. If you've heard of him on, uh, yes. on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So he does like a, a lot of good, uh, fan made posters too. And he did one where it's, uh, it's Deadpool. It's Ryan, Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool, uh, standing on the edge of the bridge at that first movie. And he's about to, he's about to do the leap of faith or, mm-hmm. or walk off, but right underneath him is again once again that that doctor strange portal so it's like uh, he's about to jump into to the mcu and again that that dates pre the announcement of, of that happening so um i i think that this is kind of one in the same of like but maybe i could be wrong maybe less toxic than like like the the dc you know fans who who clamored the the snyder cut for the for the justice league right um where it was just a lot of it was gain, gaining a lot of attention and a lot of people pushed for it until it finally happened kind of thing. Um, what was I going to say? Well, like, basically, I knew after Into the Spider-Verse came out and how, like, I mean, it wasn't, like, the biggest box office thing. I mean, it made money. Mm-hmm. But the fact all the critical acclaim it got and it won the best picture for best animated feature. Yep. I knew in the back of my head, I was like, watch, they're going to they're gonna do this in a few years and they're going to make it live action they're just gonna to capitalize it. on it. Yep. So I knew at some point I think they were going to try to do this, but I just never thought that they were going to be able to, you know, 
get the old guys back and 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 do it all in one picture right and this quickly um i guess i want to dive into let's not, it, it's easy to say all the stuff that we love but i want to leave that for the end to leave it on a on a good note yep but i guess i want to ask your question or opinions on what stuff maybe that you didn't like about this movie or stuff that like maybe didn't make sense to you or storyline wise or just anything that you want to nitpick cuz like you said it's not the best movie it's not a perfect movie uh flat out gun to your head like is it the best spider-man movie or you still feel are there ones superior to it Mm, i think it's i think it's it's got it's in the conversation for sure i think it's built a strong case for itself as far as being the best spider-man movie i'm talking in terms of terms spider-man just in terms of yeah in terms of spider-man i i i would i would give it the nod gun to my head i would give it the nod now as compared to like Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 2 is the best film. It's the best Spider-Man okay. film. What what if you're listening to this and you're wondering like, well what's the difference? Like what does that mean? Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man film. This this Spider-Man, this Spider-Man movie, it's it's good. It fits within the trilogy of of where it belongs and like I said as as a as a precursor, it it did a lot of things right. There's a lot of things to to love about this movie. With Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man 2, you literally could take that movie out of the trilogy and it could be a standalone movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there might be some details that you kind of have to backdoor your way around and, and you, you kind of have to find a way to kind of subtly explain it within the movie while still, while still telling the, the story that that's happening. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of the, there's a lot of the elements of drama. There's a lot of like, you know, Toby Maguire's Peter Parker having, having to grow up and, and to make a lot of those tough decisions. As a matter of fact, I venture to say I call it the Spider-Man 2 formula because after Toby did it, Andrew kind of mimicked it in his own second movie where, where he was having, having kind of like this internal conflict of what he wanted as Peter Parker right. and and what he wanted as Spider-Man and kind of having to, to face living this duality and make the tough choices. In Far From Home, again, Tom Holland, the same thing. Like, oh, I, I have to be Spider-Man. But I also want to be like a normal kid, you know. I want mm. I want a teenage relationship. I want a girlfriend. Like I want this and that. And that formula is like I want normal people things. But at some point, you have to you have to face the music of you can't live a, a normal person life with you know these gifts and these abilities that you've been given. It's it's mm. it's that quote. It's it really is literally and figuratively to to the very last period that that quote of. To do the right thing, you have to be steady and give up the things you want the most, yeah, even your dreams. So, sure. um, yeah, the the better film, definitely Tobey Maguire Spider-Man 2. The better Spider-Man movie, I, I, I would give this the nod for yeah. sure. Okay. That's fair. Um, so with that question out of the way, what are some of the things that you didn't like in this movie or thought maybe they could have done a little better? <clears throat> well, I have two things off the top of my head immediately. Um, and maybe if, if you have others that I'm not thinking about, I could definitely bounce off of that. But the first one I, I think we'll agree on, I'm just going to get it out of the way right now. So Daniel Tucker, if you're listening to this, this one's for you. <laughs> um, so the, the, the choice made in the movie where the lizard for whatever reason stays in the truck while everybody goes upstairs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's, so there is so to answer that question, like why the hell is he doing that? There, there is actual dialogue between Tomei and Holland where they're, wa- everybody's walking in one by one into the apartment mm-hmm. and it's like in the POV of that, uh, that security cam. And, uh, he, he talks to Aunt May. He's like, wait, where's, where's Dr. Connors? She goes, oh, he told me he just wanted to stay in the truck for whatever reason. Okay. Um, so there's that. And 
in a real life standpoint, I couldn't tell you why that decision was made. Now I can speculate. And this kind of leads me into one of the things that I didn't like. I understand why they incorporated the lizard and, and even the Sandman. I felt like they could have done the movie without them, though. I felt like them them being oh, – yeah. their presence in the movie was very underwhelming for me. Like there was so much more to wrap your head around in the movie. There was so much to get excited for than Flint Marco and Dr. Connors. Um and and it could be just because you know with this uh, with this one billion dollar success that they've made globally. I mean, I mean, Holland, McGuire, and and Garfield have to have their payday. Of course, I imagine they got a pretty paycheck yeah, out, yeah, out of this. Sure. Um, so there probably wasn't a whole lot of room in the budget for like for Flint Marco or for for Doctor Connors because first and foremost, neither one of them really had any whole lot of speaking lines. Like they didn't That's have a true. whole lot of presence in the movie. Like you didn't even. You didn't even see, for whatever reason, you didn't see Flint Marco come back into his human form. He he oh, stayed true, he right? stayed sand the whole time. <laughs> like he was like he was literally just a sand person. Like when he wasn't a monster, he was literally just a sand person. Yeah, like yeah, he never yeah. went. He could have gone back to human at any point. He didn't. Um, and then even when they when they when they cured him and they turned him back to normal, he was just kind of like, okay, like you stay here. We're gonna go home soon. And then you never saw him again. He doesn't for the rest get of an interaction with Toby or yeah. I, mean, I think he has a look with Toby. I think real quick in the movie. And I then remember. that was it. And then he disappears. And then same thing with Doctor Connors. Like Doctor Connors didn't have a whole lot of like he didn't have a whole lot of speaking lines. And he was a lizard for the majority of the movie. And then like you just saw him kind of slowly transitioning back into a human and then that was it he didn't say anything and you never saw him again until he like started going back to his universe so i didn't really like that i i honestly if you wanted to to to, to follow the pattern of, of bringing back old villains and um you know going that route i honestly would have preferred but again this there probably wasn't a whole lot of room for the budget i, I would have i would have popped harder for if they had brought back michael keaton as the vulture mm, okay yeah, as, that, that, as as opposed to giving us the Sandman and and Doctor Connors. Yeah, I agree with you there. I didn't really think about it, but yeah, if you take away Sandman and Lizard, like the movie still works because mm-hmm. you get more from Jamie Foxx as Electro, who obviously has more to do in this movie than I feel the other one. Right. Whereas in the other one, it felt very cartoonish and just very, just very out there in terms of like, and even Andrew mentions it like, hey, that Max guy was 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 always a nice guy until he fell into. A, a vat of a vat of electric eels. <laughs> Toby's like, yep, that'll, that'll do, do it. it. Like, with those little interactions, like, I get it, just to show you the absurdity of that character. But he's given more to do here, and you're right, the Sandman and Lizard could have been taken out, and that movie works just as well. But I guess in terms of marketing, like, you want everybody in it. Um, you want to make this the biggest thing ever in terms of the Spider Verse. They wanted to get as close. They wanted to get as close to a Sinister Six as they yeah. possibly could. But who else were they missing? Just Vulture or Vulture and Mysterio? But I mean, oh, yeah. the whole premise of this movie was because Mysterio was supposed to be dead. So yeah. I mean, that makes sense. But if we're bringing back like people from alternate alternate universes and timelines, like they could have easily just backdoored their their explanation of that and be like, oh yeah, wait, aren't they dead or isn't he in jail? Yeah. Like, oh no, they they come from a different timeline, like kind of thing, you know, like. That's that's kind of Marvel's mo anyway. Like they could have easily just gotten away with yeah. that, but it, I mean, I imagine it might have been a budget thing. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I didn't like is, of course, the the typical MCU thing where there's like no consequences. Like, I I just love how I love how I didn't like how easily Doctor Strange was like convinced to do this spell. Where it's like, oh yeah, sure, we'll do this or whatever. Yeah. And how that was easy. I mean, I get for for plot convenience, yes, because it throws everything into disarray but the fact that he was just like no we shouldn't even mess with trying something like this because we don't know what's going to happen and it was kind of just like i don't i didn't like that part of the movie uh 
but once like you know the villains start showing up that's when it really starts to get going even though it's kind of comical for a little bit with mm-hmm. like goblin and you know he him reciting like the oh i'm something of a scientist <laughs> yep bring back the old one-liners i get one-liners. the callbacks like that's cool and all but it's like oh don't get too goofy here because we're supposed to really hate you guys cuz yeah you know I was reading somebody's article and they're like, man, some of these villains like had body counts like in the doubles digits. Like, why are, why is Peter so hell bent on helping these people as opposed to like, you know, not making sure like the whole rest of the world isn't affected or, or whatnot? So, right. But then you forget, and Doctor Strange mentioned this, that he is still a kid. So obviously when you're younger, you do think selfishly and you think only of your, your own problems and your own you know, situations that you're in. So I get it from that point of view. But the first part of the movie, I'm like, oh, don't go into the this rails. This could go off the rails really quickly. But it circles back really quickly. Um, again, what was the, one of the other things I didn't like? I'll, uh, well, we'll circle back to that. But I was going to say, I'm going I'm to build off of what you were saying originally and then kind of come back to, to answering the, the second half of your, of your explanation there, uh, of your first point. So... Um, I also did not like how Doctor Strange didn't put up much of a fight. Now, you I don't think I I don't think I've said this out loud and you you can choose to believe this or not, but this is the God's honest hand to God truth. I went into this movie as fresh as you possibly could. So after the first trailer dropped, after it got leaked and then when it officially dropped the next mm-hmm. day, that's the only thing, the only thing that I went into going into this movie. I didn't watch any of the the backup trailers or okay. any of the secondary trailers. I may have seen like the little uh the TV ads or whatever. Yeah, like the advertisements with Jamie Foxx and with Holland where they're like they're doing that Spider Monday deal or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean even at that that didn't <clears throat> show too much um and I didn't watch any more clips of the movie beyond that. Right. Um but in in the first trailer it made it seem like Wong was like, "Hey, don't do that spell. Like I'm I'm not going to allow you to do that." And and, and it kind of made it kind of made it seem like, "Oh, Doctor Strange was going to like just kind of under the rug, just kind of, kind of sneakily do it anyway, kind of thing. It was, it was like, he's like, oh, that, that spell should not be messed with because it, it tampers with like the, the known and the unknown and the dark arts and all that stuff. And he goes, I mean, we've used it for a lot less. Like, you know, do you remember this? And they, they kind of had a, like a little banter and, and right. like a silly little moment there. And then it just kind of turned into, okay, fine, do whatever you want. Just leave me out of it. And it's kind of like, I, yeah. I, I expected there to be more. <laughs> Of a con of like a built built in conflict from that, and that it was just going to be kind of an under the radar thing. At the same time, I, I guess on the other side of that coin, if if they had done it that way, then that probably would have meant that we would have seen more involvement with like Doctor Strange and Wong, and that would yeah. have really taken away from the focus of like the Spider Man. So it kind of makes sense that they did it, but it could have been executed better. So I agree of of not liking that. Um, it does though. I know you didn't watch that trailer, that final one. But that final trailer makes it look like Doctor Strange is really combating, like, hey, like, I, I need to, we're not going to do this. And it's that whole, like, Inception thing where they're falling into and the city's, like, caving in. Mm-hmm. That whole scene, like, they make that a focal point in the middle of the trailer where it's like, oh, shit, maybe Doctor Strange is going to be a little bit of an antagonist in this story. Right. Um, I would have preferred that in terms of, like, just the logic, right? But then, like, everything that's happened in the MCU with Loki and all that stuff... I started thinking, maybe this Doctor Strange isn't Doctor Strange, and it's a variant. Because like, why is he so giving in to like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll do the spell or whatever? Just, just call me, just call me Steve, and don't call me Sir. Yeah, like I'm thinking, like, is this the is this the real Strange? Because I don't know, I, I I took him to be a little bit more of a serious character. Yeah, he was he was more snarky. He was definitely more like serious, like and, asshole, and more I thought he, full, full of himself, yeah, yeah. and like, yeah, for sure. 
Um, yeah, I didn't really like that as much to begin with either. And then as far as like the choices of the villains and, and how like they're supposed to be amongst the most dangerous and the most feared in the Spider-Man universe, but then you kind of turn them, they, they have these like these silly banters with each other. Like again, bringing up Dr. Connors with, with Jamie Foxx, like, yeah. Oh, I, I remember you, Max, you used to be like this, this ugly buck toothed and, yeah. and glasses. And now look at you. you, you've got a makeover. I can give you a real makeover kind, kind of thing. <laughs> like, um, it's, I, I, I see where, like, why why is Spider-Man on the fence of helping this guy when these are, like, well-known, to you know, very big heels in the Spider-Man universe. Yeah. But at the same time, it, it kind of adds on to that. And this is a very lazy response, but it kind of adds on to that theme of, like, this is not – this is not – the these are not the villains of – this spider-man like these are not the villains of, of holland spider-man and he also had his he also had aunt may in his ear the entire time because he was actually his initial decision was to go with dr strange's plan and be like no like they don't they don't belong here like this is right. not their world you know they might they they sure they might need help but i mean this is not the place for them to get help like mm-hmm. that i felt like that was a very practical answer even for a teenager like oh this is not this is not the place for them to, to do that. Like they have to go back into their own universes and, and get it there. And she was like, Oh, well, is this what's best for them? Or is this what's best for you? Like you just want to do the, the easy thing and you don't want to be helpful, blah, blah, blah. That, yeah. that really kind of turned the internal conflict within him of like, okay. And, and then plus to your point, again, the, the, what Dr. Strange keeps saying, like, Oh, he's just a kid. He's just a boy or whatever. So he's, you know, he's, he's going to be more inclined to, to listen to his trusted guardian and listen to his gut in that regards than anything else. Um, one last thing I might nitpick, and then, unless you have any more, but I only have one more, and then we can get into the good stuff. And this is kind of jumping forward to the very end of the movie, and I hate that we're talking about it now, but I just want to get it out there. So they do the spell right, and the twist is, like, Peter, like, well, just make everybody forget me mm-hmm. entirely, like, that I'm Spider-Man. Forget, forget even that Peter Parker exists. I was like, okay, shit. All right. So Peter's doing this big send-off with MJ and Ned. Hey, you guys are going to forget about me, like, but we have to do this because this is the only way it's going to work. <laughs> After watching it a couple of times, I was like, I saw it ending plenty of times at work. I was like, why does he swing away and go, like, why didn't he just, hey, like, stay there with MJ. Say, hey, look, we have to do this spell. You're going to completely forget about me, but I'm going to be right here when, when the spell's done. I'm going to make you remember me or whatever. I'm just thinking in terms of, like, logic. Like, why did he swing away and leave as opposed to, like, just staying there? Like, I I didn't get that at all, and it didn't make any sense. Because, I mean, the whole point was he was intent on finding her again and, and letting her know it was him until he shows up in a donut shop later mm-hmm. on. But it wasn't up until that moment that he decided not to. But how come in that moment wasn't he like, just, I'm going to stay right here. I'm You're going to forget me, but I'm going to be right here and you're going to remember who I am and I'm going to tell you everything. Um, I don't know. I just found that to be a very odd choice. And I get it for cinematic purposes and dramatics. Like, it works. But just from a logical standpoint, I was like, I wouldn't do that. I'd just stay right there and tell her this is what's going to happen. I don't know. Maybe you can combat that, or maybe I'm thinking too much on it. No, 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 no. I, I, this is like, and, and that was going to be my second point too, and that's why I saved it for this part of the con- the latter part of the conversation, because it's a lot to, it's a lot to dissect, because mm-hmm. it, it brings a lot into the theme of like multiple universes and, and butterfly effect or, or whatever you want to call it. But mm-hmm. like, 
so after after talking to uh, Priscilla about it, because she was like, yeah, there's so many inconsistencies with this because the thing that I didn't like about it, what, what we were talking about was – so even beyond that, it – you know, when he's at the – when he's at the cemetery, you know, it, it paying his respects to his aunt, mm-hmm. uh, Happy pops up like, how did you – how did you know her? For, first of all, I don't <laughs> understand like – like I understand nobody remembers who you are, but why does that prohibit you from saying like, "Oh, she was my relative"? Yeah. Like, why do you have to be like, "Oh, I know, I knew her from, I knew her from Spider Man" kind yeah. kind of thing? Um, and then Happy goes, "Yeah, same. I knew her from Spider Man too." So he, they obviously know Spider Man. Um, they know who Spider Man is. They just don't know that Spider Man is Peter Parker because they don't know Peter Parker kind of thing. But, so, but nothing was wiped out, right? Like he fought with the Avengers, he fought with Thanos and all that stuff. Yeah, and, and they. So, even, are we to assume that the other Avengers never knew who he was? Is that what that spell is supposed to do? Well, yeah, because even even Doctor Strange was like, "It was nice knowing you, kid." Like even Doctor Strange admits that he was going to forget who Peter Parker was. Like he even said it in the spell. He's like. The first time they attempted the spell, he's like, everybody's going to forget who Peter Parker is, including me. And that's when he was like, oh, wait, everybody? Like, no, no, no. Like, this person has to know. This person has to know. Um, and that's when it messes with the spell because that's that's when it was like, oh, uh, you know, I want everybody who already knows Peter Parker is Spider-Man to still remember that. And then that's when okay. it, it, it messes with the other people and, and the other universes and, and gets into that point. But um, Okay, that's where I was confused a little bit. But all right. But she was like, so he went in and he went into that donut shop, that, that cafe at the very end as Peter Parker. Like if he had went in as Spider-Man, would Ned and would Ned and, and MJ remember like far from home, like being on the on the trip with him? Mm-hmm. And then he could have just like like to your point, he could have just taken the mask off and then just explained everything kind of thing. Um, I feel like the the way that I explained it, it was kind of a lazy response, but I feel like with with what he wanted to build with with MJ, if he had gone that route and if he had to to your point, if he had stood like in the Spider-Man costume and just waited until everything went away and then she mm-hmm. just kind of like snapped out of it and just like who are you kind of thing or mm-hmm. even saw the Spider-Man costume like I felt like that would have put more of her focus on Spider-Man instead of Peter Parker because mm-hmm. I feel like their relationship worked because in Far From Home she was in love with Peter Parker and then just so happened to find out that he was Spider-Man right. and not the not the other way around like this is who Sp- you know who Spider-Man is Here's the big reveal, like, oh, by the way, my name you don't know me, but my name is Peter Parker, and then they kind of just rehash everything from there. It's mm-hmm. kind of like an opposite effect. So I can see like him wanting to do that, as far as my reasoning behind it. But yeah, there's, it just it just leaves a lot more questions, and and this is going to be a this is going to be a plus and a minus. But the minus sign of it is like, okay, going back to the original spell when he kind of casts his voice in the spell, like everybody who remembers Peter Parker as Spider Man should still remember. You know, mm-hmm. remember who I am, and then that's when the other villains, uh, the Willem Dafoe, the Alfred Molina, the Sandman, Doctor Connors, uh, Electro, like everybody knew Peter Parker was Spider Man. Mm-hmm. So, does that also mean that if everybody forgets about the existence of Peter Parker, when Toby and Andrew go back into their universes, is everybody going to forget about them too? Because they're <laughs> they're they're also Peter Parker. That's true. I don't know. That's a, it's an interesting question, and that's something that Sony is going to have to tamper with as they move forward uh, with whatever it is that they do next. And that was kind of the brilliance of this movie is that 
it leaves it open ended because it could be like this could be the last one that Tom Holland movie could do, you know? Because it kind of ends in a way like oh, it goes on and just yeah. does Spider Man the way he should do Spider Man, mm-hmm. and then it opens up the possibility of the other guys coming back, or you know maybe just Tom Holland becomes like a part timer. He'll show up every now and then and show up in an, an Avenger story or whatever whatever they want to do. But um, we'll get to that in just a bit. Um, that's it for me on the nitpicking. Did you have anything else before we get into what we what we liked about this movie a lot? Um, let me see. I'm trying to go back from start to finish. <clears throat> no, no that no. that that pretty much that okay. pretty much summarizes it. Um, let me go into my first thing, uh, and I mentioned this I think off air. I don't know if we mentioned in this broadcast already. Um, I love that for the first time in this Holland story, there was actual actual emotional stakes and heavy weight uh, in the story where there was consequence. Uh, and let's and we have to start with, with what the big one was first, and that was the death of Marissa Tomei as Aunt May. Where like, oh shit, like they actually killed off somebody in in, in service of the story, and that was something that we hadn't felt from this. Spider-Man because he kind of felt shoehorned in into this whole thing. We skipped the whole Ben stuff. And even as a just as an a whole overall story we we're like why is there no like Ben thing like or really any really reference to him or anything. And I think because they were planning for the whole thing was Aunt May was going to be this version of of Uncle Ben. Mm-hmm. And I thought that played beautifully with the way everything happens to the way she spits out the responsibility line which that got a huge applause in a lot of the theaters so they handled that real well uh what i wish they would have done with her just a little bit more in the previous films was to have her be more of that motherly presence as opposed to like because i think in far from home she's just kind of like okay with him as spider-man as opposed to being like protective i felt like i i would have had a little bit more of that I suppose like you could get hurt as opposed to like oh you're don't forget your spider-man costume yeah you might need you there might be trouble Instead of like just being like you know just protective and you know being careful or no Peter I don't want you to do this I care about you so much that's what was missing a little bit from this death scene having like a lot more impact that it could have had but it was still effective either way so that was one of the cool thing not cool things but one of the things that really put weight on this movie was like oh shit like this happened and now we'll see where, where Peter goes as a person and how he combats this and how he resolves this. This conflict that he's just dealing with with the death of Aunt May. What were your thoughts on that? I, I agree with that. Um, I think that if <clears throat> to kind of put a little bit of a different perspective on it on on those uh, on those last two thoughts that you had, um, you know, there yeah, in Far From Home, there wasn't a whole lot of that like that overprotective parent of like, hey, you know, be safe or hey, do this or do that. But you also got to remember that the far from home falls into the timeline after Endgame. So they literally, they legit came back after being turned into dust. They survived that. And then he stood toe to toe with possibly one of the most powerful villains in the Marvel cinematic timeline and his army and, and, and won basically. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as, as far as like her, as far as her being encouraging of this like friendly neighborhood, spider-man act because you don't really you know in in their in their eyes or in their world you don't really see this this big level threat anymore like thanos was they've already they've already come and gone and survived that i can understand that 
you know, there's not a whole lot of that overprotective kind of kind of thing. Now, in Homecoming, there there was some elements of that, you know, especially when because she didn't in Homecoming, she didn't know what was going on until the very end. Right. So it was kind of like, you know, especially the the scene where he was uh, the boat scene. Where he was trying to save, he was trying to stop the the vulture by himself, and he right. was trying to to save the boat from from being destroyed or sinking. And then like Iron Man had to bail him out, and that's when Iron Man gave him like, "Okay, you're not going to be Spider Man anymore. Like you've lost this privilege. Like give me the suit back." Mm-hmm. And he comes home, and he's and, and Aunt May's like, "Okay, like you need to tell me right now what is going on. I've been worried sick. I've been calling every single police station looking for mm-hmm. you. Like you're skipping school. Like like what is going on?" So there is that element of of that that very strong parental figure that that's established early on in, in mm-hmm. the series but then it kind of just goes away i guess because like i said it's, it takes place after one of the most catastrophic events right. in, in their universe so um it i don't i don't want to say that having that missing element makes it any less impactful because it definitely had right, a right, huge no, impact sure. uh in the movie wise than of course on the audience for that same reason because you thought oh at least in my mind, you thought, "Oh, they've already like they've already gotten rid of Uncle Ben." Like mm-hmm. you, again, like I had said earlier in the episode, you don't have to you don't have to live through that again. You don't have to see that for the third mm-hmm. time. But then, like, you. lo and behold, <laughs> there we go. You have to live through it again, and it's yeah, kind of yeah. like, "No, you've gotten so much attachment yeah. with Marissa Tomei. Like, why did they have to do that?" Yeah. Um, I just think because uh, you know, watching the Amazing Spider-Man two again, one of the best parts of that movie, and it, it's a really overlooked scene, is a. Uh, it's a small scene between May and Peter, and Peter's on this like rampage of these little secrets that his dad was holding, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Aunt May kind of like is like, no, like I'm your mother, like I I raised you, you're my kid, like yeah. why are you s- searching for this for somebody that wasn't here for you? And Peter goes and is like, no, don't get me, you are my mom, like don't get me wrong, don't get it twisted, like I'm I'm just trying to figure out this like that stuff, like if it had a little bit more of that, like the deaths would be even bigger. I'm not saying that it wasn't big, but if there was little more moments of stuff like that, okay, that's fair. In, yeah, through, throughout these, uh, throughout the Holland series, then it would have made that death like just even, uh, even more impactful. Because I mean, I didn't cry for it, but like, if you had those moments and then you lead up to that, you would have been like, like, like you would have gotten me. But I'm just saying for my for my point of view, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, very underrated moment for Amazing Spider-Man Two. Just wanted to shout that out. Um, but yeah, no, the the death of Aunt May and how it just throws Peter into like this just emotional downfall. And then again, that's where the really the movie really picks up because that's not too far after where we get the reveal of, of Andrew and Toby and the and the it's it's not the best part of the movie with them in it. I'll, I'll explain that later for from my point of view. But when they first arrive, first of all, in that setting, I don't know, I don't know. People were mentioning because of COVID related thing, but that whole setting was really weird of how they did the of them coming into the from the portal scene where they show up in Ned's uh, grandma's apartment. Mm. Uh, I found that to just be like it was a little odd the way it was shot. Um, and I guess also that's one of my other nitpicks is that these characters showed up the same time that the villains did. It's like what the hell were they doing during that time? Because remember Andrew's like I I was just here. Well, it's like, what were you doing? Like, at least Toby mentions, like, I was, I've been trying to look for your, your buddy. Like, you're, you're, he needs my, it feels like he needs my help. Mm-hmm. For as Andrew was like, I was just here and I, I don't know what was going on. Like, you're fucking Spider Man. Like, yeah. swing around, like, go, like, you know, go, you know, hunting or whatever, whatever it is. Like, just go searching for answers. 
I don't know. I find that 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 to be a little weird, but uh, again, it's just a little nitpick because when they show up, it's just incredible. Like, just I can't believe I'm seeing this on the big screen, type of thing. But um, I, I have like a like like immediately uh, an automated trigger response to that as well, and this may not fully explain it for you, but also. Andrew showed up as Spider-Man. Right. Like, like Toby was actually incognito. Like he was just, he was a regular person, like in regular street clothes. So he had, he had more involvement. It makes sense. Andrew comes in, he was already Spider-Man and he enters a universe of people who hate Spider-Man. I mean, in, in his, in his world's, no, in in his world, because at, at the in the beginning everybody was against Spider Man because the police were against him. But then at the end of Amazing Spider Man, the first one, he turned a new leaf and and everybody got behind him, especially in the in the second movie. Right, right. So now he's in a universe where everybody just like hates him and and thinks he's a villain and a, and a murderer. So you don't see it on screen. So this is kind of like a, I guess a hypothetical answer, but it's kind of like he's. He's in his Spider-Man costume, not as Peter Parker. So he's kind of lying low because he's kind of behind enemy lines, so to mm-hmm. speak. So he doesn't want to draw. He, I can also understand he doesn't want to draw too much attention to himself because there's also like, again, both of them said it too in that exact same scene. Like, oh, how how are you two Spider-Man? Oh, I don't I don't walk around promoting the fact that I'm Spider-Man. It kind mm-hmm. of takes away from the element element of, you know, having a secret identity as a, as a superhero kind of thing. So. Mm-hmm. That that could also be a reason that I could see makes sense as to why he was just kind of like twiddling his thumbs until they finally opened up that portal to where mm. he can kind of come in and, and be of of assistance or of use. Okay, so having not been spoiled, obviously I was spoiled, so I was expecting them at one point in that movie. So you going into that theater, that scene happens there at Ned's house. He opens that portal. Andrew shows up. What's the first reaction where you're like, oh, like was it like out of body experience or were you just like oh shit where's this gonna go or were you just like taken aback was it like i like what was your exact feeling in that moment i was at a loss for words and i'm thankful for the audience around me because they 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 lose their shit they they verbally did what i wasn't able to do because i I literally i was mouth agape Mm -hmm. and i wanted to like i wanted to pop so hard but i was just kind of like as you had said out of body experience i was like Mm -hmm. frozen in time just there was a gentleman like th- two or three rows in front of me that actually stood up and did like a like a rocky <laughs> victory pose of like yes like he's here kind of thing and mm-hmm. again I, I kind of lived vicariously through him as that happened mm-hmm. all I could do was just and yeah. this is an audio based podcast so again you can't see what I'm doing but again this is like I'm just in in shock of like oh my god <laughs> this is this is legit like this is actually this is no more speculation no more what ifs like this is actually happening in cinema right now. Yeah, I remember. So our first show was 3 o'clock. I was like, oh, man, okay. So I know at kind of like a certain time point where I know this is going to happen. I was like, I have to run in there to see what the audience reaction was going to be. And holy shit. Like, it was a little bit louder than Endgame than I can remember because I was in there for a couple of the Endgame moments. And they were big. But when Andrew shows up, it was just like, ah. Like, I had never heard a whole crowd in unison like, Mm -hmm. holy shit. Oh, my God. I can't believe this is incredible. All this clapping and like yelling and screaming, so that was awesome. So you get that moment, and then I, did you immediately think right after like oh, Am- here comes amplify the other it? One. You amplify it as soon as well. You 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 would you would think like oh I know what to expect like I'm emotionally prepared for it. You're not emotionally prepared for it when yeah. I feel like when Andrew or excuse me when Toby showed up the pop was even was amplified even, yeah. like louder. Okay. 
and then I think the loudest pop of like in, the, in that final act was when they when they finally decided like okay we need to stop trying to work as individuals and, and work as a unit and there was that scene where they all just they were swinging and then they land on top of that that platform and yeah. they each like struck a pose yeah. that got the loudest pop when when they like what about also the the theater that I saw got a huge pop was when they first show up to meet Holland Spider Man where they're at they're in the shadows I, and yes. they come in yep. like that got a huge reaction. They there was a pop for that. I still think I, I still stand by my guns on this that the that the louder pop of the two was was definitely when they when they pose next to each oh, other. Oh yeah, 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 for when sure. They, when they finally like kind of like finally put their heads together and started figuring out what they needed to do. So that was like my other favorite thing about this movie because it's easy to get caught up in that, right? Where they're swinging together and all that stuff. No, I love the little moments in those movies where they're just conversing with each other. Whether it be like, hey, what kind of villains did you fight or whatever. And Andrew's like just underselling it. Just super meta where it's like, hey, my movies were lame. Okay, But Toby's like giving him the assurance. Like, no, you're you're hey, awesome. You're, you're amazing. You're amazing. <laughs> you are amazing. <laughs> Andrew Garfield, his reaction is just so like you, it's so believable because even he knows it. Like just as an actor, he's like, "Man, I fought a guy that was in a rhinoceros suit." It and- felt so. It felt so pure. Like <laughs> yeah. it felt so organic. I I will say that I I may actually add this to the list of of nitpicks too, because I feel like for the same reasons why I love this movie. I don't know I, if I can confidently say that it would have gotten the same amount of success that it had sans that Garfield and, and Maguire. Um, so for the reasons why we love it so much, it's it's also kind of like I feel like – and this, is, this also kind of goes back to my original response of like this is a great Spider-Man movie, the best Spider-Man movie, but Spider-Man 2 was the best film hmm. because, again, Spider-Man 2 – uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man Two was purely on story, and again, story, you, you script, could have acting. you could have taken that movie out of the trilogy, and it could have been its own standalone mm. film without the other two in existence. This one doesn't work without this that one does element. this 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 one doesn't work not only without Homecoming and Far From Home, but this one doesn't work out without any other involvement in the MCU because they reference. The, the war in New York, the Battle of New York from Avengers 1. They mm-hmm. reference uh, Civil War with, with the reveal of, of Tony's new technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, they, they constantly go on to post-blip mm-hmm. and, and referencing that. Um, so I, I feel like this didn't really have a fair opportunity of being just its own standalone story to, to be told in the by Tom Holland and his cast with, with uh, Zendaya and Jacob... Bat Battleon Balat Balaton, yeah, something I, I think like that. something like that. Jacob, it starts with a B. Like they could have just easily told their own story, and I, I still feel like it would have been a great movie. But again, for the same reasons why we love it so much, I don't think it would have had this 260 million success yeah. without the tease or or without the the hints or without Andrew and, and Toby being in it. Can we turn this into like a wrestling thing a little bit? So like Spider Man Two is like it's a better film because there's so many specific things can we say this is like a a Kurt Angle Shawn Michaels match where like the technicalities and all that stuff whereas No Way Home is more like the big heavy hitters it's a rock versus Austin kind of thing where yes it's going to have more of the attention and all that stuff but if you want to look specifically for the wrestling portion of it 
you or the like the film stuff of it, you would go to Spider Man two and you would think the bigger stars for like a No Way Home. That's actually that's actually a very good that's actually a very fair analogy, a very very good comparison. I would agree with that wholeheartedly, one hundred percent. Yeah, it's, both, it's definitely both satisfying but in different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it 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 yeah it appeals to it, it can appeal to two different audiences. Yeah, sure. um, while while at the same time like it. D- different audiences will will like each one for different thing, but also like for the casual viewers, they're they're both they both work. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I should bring in this up already, but I guess since we're, we've already established, is there anything else that you want to talk about? Because there's something that I, I want to do that would make this movie better, and it, it wouldn't really have to be changing much. Is there anything I, else you want to talk on before I get into that point? So. Going back to the one of the nitpicks that I had, and I had meant it was the last one that I had, and I had mentioned that it was a nitpick, but it's also a plus, is just the endless possibilities that that these studios can go with. Right. So you can still have the involvement of Holland if 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 Marvel wants to keep him with with further projects in, in the MCU and, and later stories of like those bigger group ensemble movies, like if they want to try like a different like the New Avengers or, or something, you know, after Tony and and uh, and uh rogers and and black widow and hawkeye and all of them um it also leaves room of possibility where they could possibly go the route of uh you know continuing uh andrew's storyline and Mm -hmm. and even toby's storyline like toby could be like the wiser old man kind of kind of spider-man kind of thing um we now know and and i i don't know if i'm going to jump ahead if if this is going to be something that you had thought of but um you had talked about like the the venom verse and you know which which one which one of these universes is Morbius going to tie into? Right. Which one of these universes is Venom going to tie into? Because we originally thought that Venom was going to tie into Holland with the the end credit scene at the end of Venom too. But I thought that was kind of a cop out the way they did that. That he disappears in yeah. in this one, like he's he, like in and out. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. No. So the yeah that the the possibilities are are what why they stuck the landing with this movie perfectly. Um. We'll talk about the ending in a bit. And then to your point too, like I felt, you know, even I mean, I I would I definitely want to see more Spider-Man in, involvement. I want I want to see more Spider-Man projects in the future, but at the same time like this is a this is a very complete all all telling great way to wrap up a story. Mm. And I feel like this might shock a lot of people. I feel like if this was it, if this was, you know, Holland's swan song, if, if he wants to be done with this character or if they're just not going to involve him any further, I felt like this was a good capstone. Mm-hmm. I felt like this was a, a good way of ending it. Like, okay, you know, he's got he, he's got no commitments anymore. He he doesn't have his aunt anymore, unfortunately. He He's not in a relationship, so he can do whatever he wants from there. He's just now, he's just now an organic, like yeah. Spider-Man, so he can just... You know, if you're if you follow the comics, like you would you would know like the potential that he can go to there, but you don't necessarily have to see it in the form of a, of a cinematic viewing. So I would, as shocking as this sounds, I would be okay if if this was the the actually the actual end all be all of of this story. Okay, can I go into how I would improve this movie? Yes, and what I would do just from an emotional standpoint, and it's not really changing much. It's just kind of like moving everything up a little bit. So you have the Aunt May death. But that would come a little bit earlier in the film. I know the movie's it's not super long. It's, it's not like Endgame or anything like that. It's not very campy. Yes. But I would tighten it up a little bit more. Have the Aunt May death scene earlier a little bit. Not too soon, but like earlier than when it happens. Have Toby and Andrew show up a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Toby 
takes a little bit more of that mentor role. Like, no, you have to always do the right thing, whatever. Because a lot of that sprinkled throughout when you're, you know. Right. we got to save all of them, okay? We're, you know, I know you want to beat the shit out of Goblin, but got to save all of them. Kind of plays a little bit more of that mentor role. And then when they get to that scene where Toby stops him from using the glider on Goblin, actually kill off Toby there. Oh, and wow. you would you would get the audience. Because the audience reacted to that like, no! Like, this like, is actually going to happen, yeah. You would do that. You would give it more weight. You would send off Toby, but you'd still have Andrew to eventually, if you want to do another Amazing Spider-Man or whatever. But you would put more weight also, and you would get more tears in the in the theater by doing that. Because I'm sure Toby, like, I don't know, like, would I want to see another Toby movie? Probably not, because um, his story was pretty well told in, in those three movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have done that to just give it to the audience just a little bit more. But, of course, it would have to come earlier in the movie so that way he can play that mentor role where, like, where if you lose him, it's, like, it's a big deal. And I thought, oh, man, that movie would have been made a little bit more better if they did if they did that. But, again, that's just my point of view and my perspective. Um, and then you can play a little bit more into that, into this, make it kind of a little bit more, like, into the Spider-Verse because uh, in that movie, the, was it the Jake Johnson Spider-Man, the, the overweight, he kind of plays that mentor role. So mm-hmm. I would kind of do it like that. Um, but of course, kill him off at the end, just to give it more weight. So, know. so you've 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 caught my curiosity now. So, how would you how would you book that then in in a in a booking sense? So, would it be like following your following your blueprint here? Would it still be the same as like Holland would still witness Aunt May die? Oh, yeah, like no, she would, she would happens, die in his, it just, in his arms. Everything gets moved up, so that okay. way you can have Toby and Andrew throughout the like maybe the beginning of the second act through the final act as opposed to like late second act third act finale just speed it up a little bit up so that way they can have more screen time and presence and you'll get to have like a toby would get to have a final swan song as this character because andrew uh there's there's openings there for him to come back especially when the freaking one line when they're up in the tower or whatever and he's like i got rageful after after gwen died and i was like I want to see that fucking movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> after he said that, I was like, I want that movie. Yep. So bad. And I never thought I would say that after seeing The Amazing Spider-Man 2. I was like, eh, I'm done with this version. But no. When he's like, I got rageful, I got this and that, I'm like, fuck yeah. You didn't get, give me that movie. You didn't get, you didn't get rageful vibes when you were listening to the neighborhood yeah. in, in the post credits <laughs> of that movie. Okay. So, so let me add. So, so what about this? So let me ask you this. So when they introduce Goblin for the first time or when they, not when they introduce him for the first time, but when they introduce like Willem Dafoe as as actual like Norman Osborn mm-hmm. as like this helpless like scared like I have no idea what's going on I I lost my son I'm so confused I lost my company like I've lost it all like I need help kind of thing mm-hmm. if, I, that's why I asked you like how would you book it would everything stay the same would like would Aunt May still die in Peter's arms because I I you got me thinking now like okay what if we still follow that blueprint what if like what what if somehow like because he 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 made his way into the what was it the 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 food kitchen just because he's like oh i saw spider-man on an advertisement for this place so i I needed to come here Mm -hmm. and so like there could have been some some off-screen dialogue or on-screen dialogue between tomei and and defoe like oh like i saw spider-man here like oh yeah he's like i'm heavily involved with him and then norman osborne turns into like green goblin right and then just totally like just blatantly kills her right then and there and then holland runs in 
and sees Willem Dafoe holding Marissa Tomei like, what What happened? Like, what? what's going yeah. on? And he's getting emotional and, and he goes, he snaps back from Goblin to like, to Osborne, like, I, I have no idea what happened. Like, you know, somebody just came in, like, I, I just walked in and I, and I saw her lying on the ground and I, I didn't know what to do. I'm so lost. And yeah. just kind of giving the sob story, like, I just want to get home kind of thing and, and still trying to play like, help me, help me, help you, help me mm-hmm. and still go, go the route of like what they were originally doing when they were using Tony Stark's machine of like fixing everybody's like, mm-hmm. you know, handicaps or, or their, their problems or whatever. And then do the goblin turn, still have the early reveals of Andrew and, and Toby and then just have like a total at, at towards like the fi- or like in the final act, like, Oh, by the way, I lied about Aunt May. I didn't find her dead. I was the one that, that kind of killed her mm-hmm. kind of thing. And that, that sparks that that rage of Holland where he was emotional now he just wants to like yeah. level like him that. into oblivion I like that that's pretty nice it's a, it's a good way to book it there's oh. th- I mean I mean there's obviously you gotta find you gotta find a way and, and I mean I, I trust Marvel and Sony wholeheartedly yeah. to be able to explain or, or like I trust Willem Dafoe's ability to be able to act and explain like oh I, I don't know what happened to her I just came in and found her like this and and to pull that off I mean I, I feel like that would kind of cause a, a little bit of I don't know. I guess second guessing. Yeah, yeah. But I, I could see it booked that way as far as wanting wanting to go like a speed up the process a little yeah. bit, ex- expedite the process, if you will, a little bit. But I didn't give you the biggest reason why I would speed all this up and do that and kill off Toby and all that stuff. Okay. Because it would all lead into that final scene in, in the donut shop where he's contemplating telling Mary Jane that he's Spider Man or whatever he had written in that letter. He was going to reveal himself again to her or whatever. What I would use in that perfect moment, and it would have tied it back to Spider-Man too, and, it, and it's so fucking. It would have made me cry so much to, to do or, what's right. Yeah, where, while he, while he's there debating, he, tears in his eyes. Toby narrates. Sometimes to do what's right, we have to be steady, and give up the things we want the most, even our dreams. And he's looking. He'd be looking at MJ, and then he'd glance over at Ned, and know that their lives are good. Like knowing that whatever I do, there's a possibility that they could be. You know, people could find out who he is, who he's associated with. Get, ca- why, get caught up in the crossfire, yeah, basically. Why get them involved in that? And then he walks away. And they're like, fuck! If they did that, that would have been, like, the greatest, like, thing ever. And it would give more weight to the Toby movies. Right. And uh, so that's why I would have done that. Just so I can do that final scene. Even though I think that's my favorite part of the movie. That just He decides, nah, I'm just not going mm-hmm. to introduce myself to them or get involved in their life. And that's just such a... That's probably the... The most bravest thing he does as a character in this whole series is to not to choose not to go after MJ or let his friend know that that's his friend. You know, he just ah, I'm gonna go. I have to do what I have to do. I have a destiny. Um, and then of course that just leads to the end where it's back to basics. He's in a rundown New York apartment. Yeah, they even have the nod. It rents due on the first. <laughs> and, uh, you know he's gonna get his GED or whatever because I'm assuming he didn't finish high school because he's not in that record book or whatever. Right. Yeah, uh, he's got his little scanner, police scanner of all the trouble going on. The suit kind of look now looks more like the original comics. Like the comics, yeah, more bluish and just out of the way it's supposed to look. Um, I that was just such a perfect ending, man. Like the the way they chose because they could have easily like cheated out of it and give you something to make. MJ think that that's him or whatever, but no, like he just walks away. I was like, that's fucking beautiful because you don't always get the happy ending, especially when you're a superhero. And that's the brilliance of Spider-Man too, is because you can't have it both ways. Like 
uh, one's always going to outweigh the other. And even though he did get the happy ending, kind of right. I she, mean, kind she, of? she left. She she stood up her fiance at the wedding and, and ended up at his door uh, and I said, mean, "I love you." Instead, I mean, I guess, and, and the, he stopped the villain. Well, the movie had, we had never gone to part three, then that would be relevant. But with the way everything goes down in part three, and then even the the ending of part three of Toby's series doesn't really definitively tell you like does he together. end up with you with yeah. her or are they just like they kind of just share a moment in, yeah. the, in the cafe or in the uh what was it like the karaoke bar or whatever yeah. it was is it just a shared moment maybe just between acquaintances or friends because it doesn't really tell you how much time had spanned between that you know the ending of the climax there and then where they meet up in that little bar or whatever right. so i don't know does he really get the happy ending or is he you know you know what i mean so if if there was just Spider Man two and nothing afterwards, okay, you can totally call my ass out and like he got the happy ending, he got the girl, but um, oh, it's just a beautiful ending to No Way Home. Um, I don't know anything else you want to add on that ending or that you liked or any nods or anything. I I didn't get the little Lego thing. Was that because Electro was that supposed to be? No, that was that was Homecoming. That was that was their thing. That was him and Ned's thing. They wanted to build the Death Star together. Oh, I thought it was because remember, isn't there a scene where Jamie Foxx is like, is this Legos or something like that? He's, he mentions something about Legos. Yeah, he's like, he's like, are these your Legos? Yeah, that's how I was like, I thought he made like a little Electro character. That's what I thought. No, but, no, no. That's that's supposed to be, what's his name? Uh, it's Sidious? Emperor. Oh, Emperor, Emperor? Palpatine, yeah. Palpatine, there we go. Um, yeah, because the whole the whole thing of the of the first movie of Homecoming, like the like in the first 20, 30 minutes of the movie, he, he Ned is introduced. He's like... Hey, I just got the I just got the new uh, I got the new Lego Death Star. Like you're gonna help me build it over the weekend. Oh, okay, okay. And that's was, what like there there was like girls nearby, and he's kind of just looking like, oh, did you just say that out loud? And then as soon as they leave, like, oh, really? Like that's so super cool. Like, yeah, let's do it. That was, was yeah, that was, was that was their, that, that was their thing. There was even like, yeah, even after the the scene where you know Tony Stark essentially grounds him and takes away the suit, like he's he's kind of they're they're building it together as as kind of like that montage of like this is what life of being normal is like without having the responsibilities of spider-man or not having any sort of like higher you know higher calling or whatever so to speak mm-hmm. so yeah that was that was their thing that's why he held on to it yeah uh, but yeah i love that back to basics at the end no help from the avengers or or whatever at least i think or at least that's what they make it look like excuse me he's on his own he's free to do his adventures maybe more smaller city adventure type things as spider-man that you could do um yeah man it's just and also i had been very very negative on the score for this series of spider-man as opposed to like you know the danny elfman classic score oh nothing's gonna beat elfman right right but this one at least had more umph to it like especially like the, at the qu- like the choir the epic yeah, the choir the, the opera, so when he does yeah. the final swing at the end like that hit perfectly yes uh when he swings into the i to, agree to the camera yep uh i was like oh dude finally a freaking like I don't think any of the Holly movies had ended with him swinging and like, because you got it in the in the Toby movies, obviously, like in the first one he swings into the he was he was always swinging from something with the American flag in the background, yeah, yeah. And into this and even in the Toby or the Andrew one in the first one he swings at you and yeah comes he shoots at you. the web yeah I was waiting for that moment like where he's swinging and then in the Holland version swinging around and he just does this like into like into the into audience. the camera yeah yeah and I thought that was just beautifully done. Uh, so the so the score did have more impact this time. So, bravo to Michael Michael Giacano. He's the one that's been doing something like that. Some, yeah. He's the one that's been doing this series. So bravo to bring more umph to the score. 
which is a huge part of Spider-Man, at least in my opinion, Spider-Man on film. Um, yeah, no, just a sat- very satisfying movie. Um, everybody that's come out of it has been super happy. Um, haven't really seen like anything like negative, like, oh, fuck this movie or whatever. Like, I mean, if you are, then you're just being too nitpicky. And that's that I'm nitpicky sometimes myself, but the enjoyment of the movie outweighs the little negatives that I had on it. Right. Like, I pre-ordered this already, like my steel K, uh, my steel book 4K nice. for this one. So, I, I mean, I'm excited to own this and I'm part, part to own it as part of the franchise. Um, I do own the, the Toby trilogy. I did buy the, the Andrew Garfield one just cause I love the little box or the little cover set for it. The duos. And I did re, re, uh, enjoy those movies on my rewatch. And I'm gonna enjoy rewatching this again. I haven't had a chance to go see it again fully. I'll probably go to see it in the IMAX hopefully soon. Before, I don't know what the next IMAX movie would be, but I'm pretty sure I got time. Uh, it's gonna be there for a while, so I can't wait to rewatch this again fully. And uh, yeah, it's been a that was a fun movie, man. Very, very satisfying ending on all accords. We definitely got to see again, like I said what could have been with the amazing spider-man 3 since the premise of spider amazing spider-man 2 was to set up for the sinister six movie so we right. got that um so andrew garfield got a re- somewhat his redemption of that oh and, yeah that was the whole like and, and his I whole like, mvp i guess would be him his his whole like the way he he played everything off because they they really kind of like they they're very self-aware and you had brought up the examples of like, man, I haven't done anything in my movies. Like yeah. I'm just nobody. Like I'll, I guess I'll be, I'll guess I'll be Peter three. You yeah. know, kind of, kind of thing. Because there's, there's that ongoing debate of like, yeah. who's, who's the best. Right. So it's, it's very self aware, and he's very selfless, and he gives a lot back to the movie, and yeah, he just, he just plays that character so well and so organically. Um, and then again, they did right by Toby by giving him an actual like. Spider-Man three without so much of the over the top yeah. silliness and and doing his little strut with the with the weird score with, right. with the remix of the of the Danny Elfman, um and then yeah just just a just a total just a total capstone for for Tom Holland's trilogy and, and how it kind of people are going to have their own opinions yeah. there's there's always going to be the ongoing debate of who's going to be the the superior of the three but this should definitely if, if it hasn't if, if you if you don't feel this way if you haven't felt this way after homecoming or, or far from home this should definitely solidify uh tom holland in the conversation of of being a, a very not a superior but being in the conversation of, of being a formidable actor of, of playing spider-man i'm not quite certain if i'm ready to say this is the best one of the holland series i'm gonna give homecoming one more watch and this one one more watch but in terms of like satisfying like conclusion, this one definitely is the capper. It had the best third act and, and yep. all that stuff. Uh, way way superior than of course Far From Home. But again, I think Michael Keaton is still so good in Homecoming and makes that movie on another level. Um, but yeah, it may take a few more rewatches. And again, my opinions can change here and there. Um, but yeah, man, let's talk about real quickly the possibilities. Just gut feeling where you think they're going to go next. Man. Um, well, I mean, here's the thing. Before we get into that, we didn't even talk about Charlie Cox. Oh, yeah. That was just we didn't, we a- didn't even bring him up. Like, that that was one of the biggest pops of the movie, too, like, when he came up. Um, if they're going to do the multiverse thing. Is that is that is he even, like, is he even still a part of that universe anymore? Did he disappear with everybody else? No, I think he's in that world. 
Um, you think he? You think he stays in? Oh yeah, no, I, I, I don't see why he would have been wiped out or or tra- time transferred to, or to another out, to another to another dimension or to another universe. Well, that brings into another question: like, all right, Have you been watching Hawkeye? I have, and I haven't seen the finale yet. Okay, but you did see the reveal of somebody, right? Yes. Okay, so yes, the, that, that kingpin that that is could part be a setup for a good yes. So I'm assuming that. I don't know if it, they're the same versions as the Netflix one. I like because I'm already hearing like different things, like oh, this Kingpin is way different than the one in the Netflix. But I was like, he was only in two episodes. How can you really make that distinction? Right. But, but I'm assuming that they're the they're the same actors, just different. They'll, they'll Disneyfy it. It's mm-hmm. not going to be violent because <laughs> right, the Daredevil series was like hardcore violent. I remember only seeing the first season, but I forgot if it was super violent and. It was more like R-rated, right? I'd have to do a rewatch of, of how Probably, of how right? gritty it was. I don't, think, or how... I don't think it was. It wasn't like it wasn't Disney fight for sure. There was yeah, there was blood in it and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So, um, I'm assuming there'll be those versions just tapered down. They won't be as violent. I don't know. I'm still holding hope if they're doing this multiverse thing that somehow they'll get Ben Affleck back as Daredevil <laughs> at some point. So that's why I can't fully buy into this Matt Murdock and. When he pops up, I was kind of like, eh, okay. <laughs> no, well, they, they'd have to I, – I would feel like if they were going to do that route, if they were going to go Ben Affleck, Ben Affleck would probably fit more in like a Toby universe than he would with like a Holland okay. or Garfield. I'll take that. I, I, feel, like, I feel like that's that's the direction they, they would and I feel like they should go if, if they yeah. were going to do that with the, with the whole multiverse thing. Um, uh, I mean there's also – again, going back to it, there's also the possibilities now with, with Fox being under Disney – and now that this is like now that this is Peter Parker's new leaf, now that he's like his own independent adult because his high school career is behind him now, like we, we're not going to get any more high school Spider-Man movies. At yeah. least, at least, actually, from anybody because everybody's past the high school stage right. now. All three of them are, mm-hmm. but that sets up for you know Spider-Man potentially teaming up with with the X-Men at some point yeah. and, and and getting the X-Men involved now in the MCU and, and telling those stories. There's still the possibility of, of a lot of people, myself including, wanting to see a Spider-Man Deadpool movie, yeah. Holland with uh, with Ryan Reynolds. That would be pretty interesting to watch. The um, idea that I got behind, and it was we talked about this off air. There's this guy that does Spider-Man videos uh, mm-hmm. on YouTube, and he covers all this. He gave away, well, not gave away, but he gave the idea of what Venom Two should have been, and that actually ended up being the case. Like he kind of foreshadowed what that movie was going to be about, and he was kind of right. Uh, he foreshadowed what he think Venom Three should be about, and he was like, "It should be Tom Holland trying to get Venom back home to his verse, is his world, mm-hmm. and they would be battling different versions of Venom like throughout. So it'd be like a team up movie. It'd be Holland Spider Man with Hardy's Venom, and they'd be going through like different universes, uh, trying to get Venom back home because." But that would only work if they didn't do this post credit scene. I was going to say because there there would there would be no way for yeah. Holland, at least not anymore, for Holland to know who Hardy is. Because they should have done that without uh, him transporting. Because remember, he's like, "Well, damn, like maybe I should go go to New York and yeah. visit this Spider Man." I was like, "That would have been perfect. You could set up Venom Three right there and have him like help him with whatever it is." Uh, so he 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 gave that idea for Venom Three, which I like because like if you're doing this whole multiverse thing. Sony could rip it off and just be meta with it and do like this wacky team up uh buddy cop movie which I would personally love to see. I don't see how they're not going to try to cash in and do the Holland Spider-Man in the Venom world, 
but uh, there's there's just a lot of stuff that they could do. That could that could still be a possibility now that I think about it. It just won't be with Holland. It'll be with Garfield. Because yeah, I could possibly see Hardy ending up in Garfield's universe, and they kind of have like a moment where, yeah, we, we this was this was a pretty weird thing where we just kind of like disappeared, and now we end up here, and they could be like that okay, buddy cop, that, that buddy cop duo. Too. Because you also got to remember, based on what you're telling me with this information, now you also got to remember that even though Tom Hardy disappeared, that little sliver of the uh, symbiote still stayed behind in that universe. Right. So what does that mean? Is is the symbiote gonna? With a mind of its own, is it is it going to travel all the way to New York? Is it is is Holland going to be absorbed by by the symbiote now? Are we going to get symbiote mm. suit Spider Man with Tom Holland, and then is Possibly. that gonna is that gonna make another you know is that gonna create another Venom in, in that universe? Right. And and could that possibly create the anti Venom? Could we get Agent Venom? Yeah. Is that's there's a lot going on there. Well, the only reason I don't want uh, Andrew Garfield involved with the Venom is because I want that story where he's like, I got rageful. I want to see that freaking amazing spider-man movie where it's his standalone movie um and again with this whole multiverse stuff and even coming up this year with dc and the flash movie they're going to do multiple batmans in one movie uh, that's aside from the robert pants and one that's going to come out it's just that we're we're in a world now where we can have our cake and eat it too so sony now could if they wanted to just do a separate like one more andrew garfield movie they could totally get away with it and the MCU can't do anything about it because they don't own the rights to Spider-Man. And now that they saw that all the all the curiosity and all the hype and all the goodwill that came from No Way Home, they'd be like, okay, cool. Hey, Andrew, here's $50 million. You want to come back and play Spider-Man one more time in he, your own movie? He did He did say he would agree to terms if, if, if Marvel and Sony did come up to him and approach him and say that they want him to have more involvement with the storylines going forward. So. And the goodwill from that movie would translate automatically to good box office for that movie, like mm-hmm. regardless of if it ends up being shit or not, because you have all the, the rapport, all from, the rapport from that. Yeah, that sometimes, and all Sony needs is a hit. We'll make the money. I mean, I they should, you know, for all purposes, still try to make a good movie out of it. Right. Um, but if they can come up with something there, I'm I'm down to see another Garfield movie. You know, he made up. He was the MVP to me of this movie. Again, just little small moments with him. Uh, two that I want to talk about real quick. Sorry, I mean, we're going real deep on this, folks. But we told you we were going to. No Way Home. Open spoiler discussion. We can't We can't, We can't. can't open up the show with, with an hour or 45 minutes or so of, <laughs> of non-Spider-Man related stuff without giving you two hours worth of Spider-Man yeah. related content. Yeah. So come on. Um, so two more moments I want to talk about in these small little moments that were going on in this movie. So they're in the lab and they're, they're coming up with, uh, I guess, the antidotes. Antidotes. Yeah. Um, and there's that one scene, God, and this makes you sympathize more with Garfield's Parker and what he's going through is when he's watching over Peter and MJ having their little moment and he's just like longing for having like that. And Toby looks at him and is like, Hey, do you have anybody? And he's like, he's eh. like, I, I don't have time for Peter Parker stuff. And I kind of, I kind of want to be like, that's my line now. I'm always stuck in that single world. Like I don't have time for, I don't know, whatever. I don't have time for palace things or whatever i'm always doing my own thing um so that little moment stuck to me uh i marked real hard for the back moment with with toby where he's like oh, i'm on my back yeah like, uh, just from all the swinging and <laughs> andrew's like you want me to crack it and he's like yeah actually yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> i marked out so hard for that scene um and then of course when uh a lot of people called it in the lead up to it, but they're like, "Oh, when MJ's falling, that's totally gonna be Andrew's moment to redeem himself and catch her." 
and he does. And then he even, again, this is why Andrew Garfield is the better actor of the three. It's all in his emotions, and you see him like kind of like almost wanting to lose it, like crying wise, because he, you know, he was able to save the girl mm-hmm. this time around. Uh, so that was just a huge moment in the movie for him. Uh, did your did your crowd mark out for that moment when when, when he saves MJ? He saved, yeah, that that leads me that that leads me to beg the question: Would you have been okay if if there was a second death in that movie, but it was MJ? So instead of her memory getting wiped, she just dies altogether. I don't think it would have hit me because I wasn't. I was a fan of their relationship here, where I felt more of Zendaya. Is it Zendaya or Zen, Zendaya? Zendaya. Was, yeah, daughter, Zendaya. My daughter always gets mad at me. She'll rip you for it for sure. Uh, so I was a believer of their relationship in this movie. Obviously it was there was nothing of it foreshadowed in Homecoming other than her being like a little just she would throw out one lines out of nowhere. She was she would always kind of be she would always have a reason to to be around them. She yeah, would always it was find, just she like, would always find an excuse to to like be where they were at. It was to me it always I was always like was she just cast because of who she is? Like she was a she was a, she's a Disney star, right? Or, she was previously, yeah. Okay, so and then like, she has her own uh, Euphoria show. On HBO, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that of course. But I mean, I, I was like, was she put into this movie just because of name value or whatever? Because I feel like, what is she doing here? I know they dropped the MJ hint or whatever. And then in this, in Far From Home, it just came out of nowhere. Where Peter's like, I'm gonna ask MJ. I was like, well, where's this coming from? Like, yeah, where was this whole thing with Liz or whatever? Even though he was a total dick to her. Like, if you look back at that movie, well, she she left. Remember? I know, but he was a complete asshole to her. Like, he was. <laughs> She had she didn't do anything wrong. This guy always stood her up. Like they they just I don't know they did a real disservice to that character. So then and when Far From Home opens up and he's just like all about MJ now all of a sudden it's like where did that come from? It wasn't it wasn't teased at all in Homecoming. Maybe it was or maybe I missed it. But no, here you're in, right. I don't think I don't think it was either. But in No Way Home, like I bought them like as being a, a couple and them caring about each other. And maybe a lot of that had to do with. They're an actual real life couple, and that sometimes translates, right? Which it did, and I think Andrew and Emma Stone dated, dated in real life, right? Mm-hmm. You could totally tell that in Amazing Spider-Man too, with the way they would look at each other, smile at each other. Um, the Toby, I think Toby and uh, Kirsten Dunst, I think even dated at one point. That's what I'm reading that they had some type of romance, and I don't know if there's. And this is why I love Toby's Peter more is because it's more awkward in the way it's supposed to be. Like, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're like in Spider Man was in Spider Man two where she's like, "You have something to say," and she's and he's like, "Oh boy, yeah." Like it's just that's super geeky. Like that's how why I related to that Peter Parker more than any oh, of the when other they're in their backyard. Yeah, or just yeah. like he's just being goofy. Like it's just that's totally high envision Peter Parker. The other two, like I don't know, I feel like they just got the girl too easy. But um, eh, it is what it is. They had a lot of charm to them. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, those are... I'm trying to think of any other little moments. Yeah, just... Basically, all the all the parts where they interacted, where they were just talking to each other, it's just I love... Even, like, the, the talk of the web stuff, even though it got a little <laughs> out of hand at some point. Yeah. It, okay, when it went off the rails yeah. really quick. Like, <laughs> it, come, it comes out of you. Does it, does it just shoot out of your wrist? Or? <laughs> and Andrew just gives a look like... Mm? I don't know. Just little moments like that is what made the movie for me... Um, cause they're just characters being characters like uh, in the, I mean, we've enjoyed Toby for so long through that era. Andrew, we almost had a chance to get like a three movie set. Um, and maybe, maybe he'll get a third movie now. Um, I'm shocked though that they haven't announced anything yet because usually after a huge success like this, like they're quick to like announce like what the next, 
phase phase or, is going to be. Mm-hmm. But I'm sh- and again, this is going to be all up to Sony. I don't even I'm not even worried about Feige and MCU. They're not going to have any say on this. If they want to use Tom Holland for a future Avengers or whatever, cool. But if Sony wants to move forward and do something with Andrew Garfield, they have every right. And Kevin Feige can't be like that. This is going to ruin like. Whatever they can, they can, they can build their own live action Spider Verse. Like, you. Yeah. you don't own the rights. We do. And if I was a studio head, I would already be like on the phone making offers. Even Toby, like, hey, would you would you be interested at all at some point down the line? And if he said yes, okay, cool, we'll get back to you. But let's do the Garfield one first or whatever. I don't know. Sony's Sony's got a, a lot while, of strike while the iron's hot. They have a they have all the momentum right now. Yeah. So. And they have the better year, you know, with that and Venom. You know, people can shit on Venom all they want. That movie made a shit ton of money. Uh, so they got their own thing going. And um, Ghostbusters, they even revived that. I don't know if you saw the, the new Ghostbusters. I didn't see it, but my my grandfather saw it. And him being a big fan of the original, he actually, in his words, he said, I watched the new Ghostbusters. I liked it a lot. I venture to say even more so than the originals. Like, the, like this one... This one did was really well done. According I was, to what he said, I wasn't high on it, but it was a really fun movie. Like once I sat through it, it was it was a really enjoyable movie. So Sony, Sony's the big winner this year, and they they got all the leverage on what they want to do next with Spider Man. But did, did I did I ask you already, Point Black, what you think's going to happen, or were we just talking overall in general? What could no, happen? you you I remember you asked me, and, and it kind of got off the rails. But we were talking about all of the different possibilities. But I just want to ask you what you think, like. Like just point blank, what do you think is going to happen next? Um, and this is that it's an open ended for anybody to come back. Yeah. But what do you think they do first? Like just as an overall, or which studio is going to strike first? Um, I think MCU's got so much other stuff going right now. Like that. I well, mean, and, and here's here's the here's the other tragic injustice that comes from this movie is this all sets up for Doctor Strange. Right, because there, there's the there's the multiverse of madness movie, which I'm more excited about Elizabeth Olsen than I am with Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's cool. Like Doctor Strange, the character is, is unique. He's he's cool. He's fun to watch. But I I don't really have so much of an emotional attachment to him. I mm-hmm. really could care less about that movie. I didn't really give a second thought about the first Doctor Strange movie. I watched it once and I was like, okay, I still haven't yeah, this, seen it. <laughs> this is, I was like, okay, whatever. This is pretty cool. I guess, you know, I'm, I'm watching it for free. So whatever, like, I'm not going to complain. Um, so, I mean, you know, with, 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 with Holland's next move in the MCU, I, I think they got some time for that. I think he can go away for a while. Yeah. When he comes back, it'll be a big deal. Mm hmm. So I think I think if if somebody's going to make a move, it, it's really going to stem from what the turnout of this Morbius movie is going to be in January. I think because right. that's that's really going to be telling of first of all, what universe does he actually officially belong to now in the aftermath of all of this? When when in the timeline is this movie taking place? Because that's right. also been a big thing with the Marvel movies is like they 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 drop into different spots of the timeline mm-hmm. and. You know who's who's going to be involved will kind of be the all telling thing of like what's going to happen next. I feel. Yeah, I think what's going to be telling in that movie is whatever the end credit scene ends up being. Yeah, because like, they, for all purposes, that maybe they were waiting for this movie and be like, maybe we can shoot something afterwards and then throw it at the end. And here's of, here's Andrew Garfield. Yeah, here it yeah. is. Here here it is. Shoot horned in at the end of this movie. So I think there's going to be a lot of 
let's just say I'm going to stay away once Morbius comes out, like where those initial reactions comes out, because I don't want to be spoiled on like, oh, you, you won't believe what's going to happen here at the in the end credit scene or whatever. Right. Um, so that I think that's coming in the middle of January or right at the tail end. So um, that'll be we'll, we'll find out more, I guess, from Sony's point of view. What's going to be going forward now we also now we also have to be objective about this we got to be careful of not going in with super high expectations right that, right that temper they're gonna, it that they're that they're going to actually do anything with the right. spider-man or the venom universe they could just strictly tailor to just jared leto and morbius like true yeah. it, it could have like there could be absolutely zero like they, they might they might reference in the movie because i know he walks past like a like a graffiti wall graffiti with like, the daily bugle the yeah. Oscorp, there's just too much in there for them to not kind of make it a focal point like then why would you put that in the trailer then right if you, you didn't but then again you have to market it like for people to go see this because this is a new character mm-hmm. that we've never seen on screen before but uh it's gonna be interesting man uh we'll just say we'll just say this the future of spider-man is very bright it's not one of those like oh like they ruined it with the third one like, let it go away for a while this is like no give me what's next they they did it they did they did right by everybody in this movie they stuck the landing yep we'll say that um anything else you want to add on before we wrap it up for the night oh man i i feel like there's not a whole lot more that i can say that's already been said um yeah even even somebody as as big of a diehard fan as me growing up with this character this was kind of like this was in in your previous episode with with the other two gentlemen with your friends from work you had asked about their history with this character like this to me like in in the grand scheme of things of of coming up and, and being a part of different fandoms there you know i i got introduced to wrestling by my family mm-hmm. i became a spurs fan because of my family i was a cowboys fan because of my dad um so we all shared similar likes and interests and so when i when my mom took me to alien world's comics for the first time and i actually got my first comic was spider-man versus the kingpin mm-hmm. and like just how colorful and animated and unique this character was and how i wanted to be everything like him um i felt like he was something that was mine and and i don't mean to be that guy but he was somebody he was spider-man was was the one thing that like everybody in my family made me synonymous with like if they saw something spider-man or if they heard something spider-man they always told me the news or they always like every christmas or birthday i would i would look forward to like you know what what kind of i wonder what kind of memorabilia that i'm because it it became like a constant thing to to expect and even now like as an adult so many people tag me in tweets and on facebook posts of anything spider-man related like oh this is going to be you as a joke i don't i don't know if you saw it on snapchat or not but as a joke um there was a there was a facebook post that i got tagged in twice with a dude that was like sleeping on his couch and he he was sleeping under a spider-man blanket and he had his like clothes laid out for the next day oh with the shoes and, and it's like it's like how i'm gonna be sleeping the night before spider-man <laughs> yeah, i i, I went that. out and did my own setup with the spider-man oh, blanket and i had a shirt and the jeans and the uh, shoes no, and everything. i gotta see that i saw the 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 meme of that but if you did your own version of that i, I actually i actually did it yeah <laughs> so it, awesome. it's it's super cool to see this finally done right and as as crazy as it sounds, like I said, I, I could be I could be satisfied with it either way. If they continue with it, great, that's awesome. I hope they do. But if they stop, like, like how like how do you, you got how, how do you, how do you be mad at that? Like I got everything that I that I wanted to see mm-hmm. for so many years since the the Toby trilogy. So, mm-hmm. and and again, this is not. I, I I'm I'm off of my high after watching. I'm off <laughs> of my emotional high after watching it for the first time. So I know I, I talked a big game of like. 
I'm, I'm going to talk so much shit and like just, <laughs> just kind of battle everybody on this. And, and this movie's like going to be the number one. Like, no, there are still things that I can, I could be objective about and say that it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the perfect movie and that it definitely had its draws and, and its setbacks. So, um, yeah, there's, there's not really much more I can say beyond that. So, all right, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on and talking about this with me. Thanks for uh, having me as always. Usually don't hold in my reviews uh, this long, but I knew we were going to, we had planned about it for a very long time. I said, hey man, when Spider-Man comes out, either we try to go see it together or once we see it, we, we do this huge giant pod and we just lay out everything about it, expectations and all this stuff or whatever, everything. I think we aired out everything that we wanted to about this thing. And uh, again, it's very sad for those of you who haven't seen and if you've listened all the way through, maybe we've convinced you to go see it, uh, whether you care about spoilers or not. And uh, I can't wait to rewatch it. Um, can't wait to own it. Uh, it's it's going to be a very memorable movie. And um, through the years, like a lot of stuff in this happens in this movie is very memorable. Uh, yeah. Can't say enough good things about it. But, it is definitely one for the books. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot to Brandon. And we'll see him back uh, early next year. Uh, as I do my Cobra Kai season four watch, and we'll, we'll get into that. The NFL playoffs are coming. Um, I'm sure I'm going to want him back on if, you know, wherever the Cowboys land where they will as far as like the playoff seating and who they match up with. Uh, we'll, we'll get him back on and we'll see what happens. Maybe they make the Super Bowl, maybe they don't. But if they do, it's going to be very interesting, uh, uh, as far as like booking. And, uh, I'm sure a lot of people are going to want in on, wanting to get their voice heard uh, on this show as we discuss all things, if that's the what ends up happening for for the Super Bowl. But, yeah, a lot of fun today. Talking Spider-Man No Way Home, uh, available exclusively in theaters. Exclusively only in theaters uh, for the time being, so go check that out as soon as you can. Very satisfying movie to end the year. I think it's a perfect movie to go see on New Year's Eve, too. You'd want to end your year, your year with something happy, and that was a... As satisfying of a movie as you're going to get. So, for Brandon, I'm Palace. We'll catch you on the next episode, all right? Take it easy, guys.